participation. Uh, I do want to let you know that today's program is brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. UFC 300 is here. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is giving new customers a shot to turn five buccarinos into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any UFC 300 bet. So uh, there's a lot of close fights. Jamal Hill, Alex Pereira is a close one. Um, one that is of interest to me, Kayla Harrison, Holly Holm going the distance. Um, obviously, Zhang Wei Li is a big favorite. The biggest favorite on the card is actually Bo Nickel against Cody Brundage. That may not be a surprise to you. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things on this card. And the place to be for it all is DraftKings Sportsbook. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code Hour. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code DMAR. The crown is yours. Gambling Pronco 100 Gambler or in West Virginia, visit www.100gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resorts in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, cdkng.com slash MMA.com, yes. Uh, for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Obviously, it's UFC 300 week in Las Vegas. Friday, also in Las Vegas, it's the second PFL event of the season. Had a great start on Thursday. Uh, Dakota Cheva with a solid win. You had Moldovsky on there. You had a bunch of... Uh, former Bellator fighters Liz Carmouche getting a win as well in her PFL debut. And so I want to let you know that the PFL is back on April 12th with the lightweights and light heavyweights throwing it down. Last week it was the women's flyweights and the heavyweights. You've got names like Impa Kasangane, who of course uh, won the 2023 light heavyweight tournament. You also have Clay Collard and Bellator, former champ, one Patricky Pitbull is uh, is going to be on the card against Clay Collard. So if you're in Vegas for 300, go check him out. If you're at home, check him out over on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Uh, Plus. That is Friday, April 12th, live at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... Mixed Martial Arts Hour is back in your life on this Wednesday, September 15th, 2021. Hello again, everyone. Hope you're doing well on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon here in New York City. Like I said, back to back, we're in a roll right now. We're rolling, loving life. This is the regular schedule. Labor Day last week messed it up, and now... We are rolling, my friends. So I had a great show on Monday. Hope you enjoyed it. Jake Paul, Sean O'Malley, Luke Rockhold dropping bombs left and right. Great stuff. Back on Wednesday on a very special day, by the way, uh, to do it all over again. Special day. Why? Because tonight, the holiest of the holy nights for my people, my fellow Jews, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement coming up 25 hours. No water, no food. Some might say I'm crazy for even being here because you're supposed to be getting ready, doing all this stuff. But I am here 
to do this show, and then I will atone for all of my sins. Lord knows a lot of you think I have a lot of sins to atone for. Over the next day or so, I'll be thinking about all of you saying sorry, atoning for all my sins, and, and hoping to be a better person in the new year. So, what do we got to talk about? A lot going on in the world of MMA. A lot happening, as always. UFC back this Saturday, last weekend. We spoke to, or last week, I should say, we spoke to Anthony Smith. He meets Ryan Spann. They also have the Bellator debut of Yoel Romero against Phil Davis. They're going head-to-head. It's not quite head-to-head in that UFC uh, will end before Bellator, but same night, around the same time, they're going head-to-head, which isn't always the case. Uh, Today on the program, we'll talk to one of those people I just mentioned, as well as four other very interesting people. Back end of the show, we will talk to the one and only Michael Chandler, former Bellator, multiple-time lightweight champion. Of course, now in the UFC, uh, last time we saw him was in May, uh, lost that vacant lightweight title fight to Charles Oliveira. He attempts to bounce back in November right here in New York City. Um, We've talked about that card a little bit already uh, with the likes of Ian Gary. Something tells me we'll be talking about that card uh, quite a bit leading up to it. November 6th at the Mecca, the world's most famous arena. Uh, Of course, home of your 2022 NBA champion, New York Knickerbockers. Uh, That's a big-time fight. Michael Chandler versus Justin Gaethje, a fight that a lot of people are excited about. Also on that card, Colby Covington versus Kamaru Usman, too, for the UFC welterweight title. And uh, Rose Namajunas versus Zhang Weili number two. And Zhang has recently uh, relocated to the United States, Arizona, to be exact, uh, to prepare for that fight. Um, At 2.30, we're going to be joined by Valentina Shevchenko, the reigning defending UFC women's flyweight champion. Uh, She returns to action, not this weekend, next, uh, September 25th, co-main event, defending her title on pay-per-view against Lauren Murphy, uh, obviously one of the greatest fighters uh, of all time, in my opinion, at this point, as far as women's MMA is concerned, and regardless of gender, uh, one of the best fighters on the planet. She's an absolute force, an absolute beast at 125 pounds. And so I always uh, look forward to talking to Valentina Shevchenko. We'll do so at 2.30. At 2 o'clock, we'll talk to the Venezuelan vixen, Juliana Pena, who was supposed to fight for the women's bantamweight title on August 6th in Houston, unfortunately, current champion Amanda Nunes got COVID. Fight was postponed to December 11th. So she has to wait a little bit to get that uh, that title fight. But it is going down December 11th in Las Vegas, a card that's still being put together as we speak. They're trying to put uh, Dustin Poirier versus Charles Oliveira for the vacant, uh, not the vacant, the newly won uh, lightweight title on the line. Charles Oliveira won the belt against Michael Chandler when it was vacant. Uh, that would be the headliner. Trying to make that happen in the works, a couple snafus, but people seem to think it's going to happen. Uh, and then at uh, 1.30, we'll talk to you, Romero, about his Bellator debut this Saturday against Phil Davis in the same building, by the way, where he made his UFC debut. How crazy is that? Same building, San Jose. Back then it was known as the HP Pavilion. Now it's known as the SAP Center. Nevertheless, back then, opened the card, now headlining the card. Back then, uh, finished Clifford Starks with a uh, flying knee. We'll see what happens on Saturday with Phil Davis. Also, end of the show, arielhawani.substack.com is where you can leave questions, uh, and I will answer whatever is on your mind. And this has quickly turned into one of the 
uh, best segments of the week. Whatever is on your mind, I shall answer it back into the show before we wrap this bad boy up. For now, though, let us go to our first guest of the day, kind enough to join us where it is very late um, where he currently resides, or one could say very early, depending on your viewpoint. It's uh, 1.05 a.m. in Singapore, and that's where we find the uh, founder, the chairman, the CEO of One Championship, Chatri Sichotong, who is here to talk about a whole host of things, in addition to make... uh, a few announcements regarding a very exciting upcoming One Championship event. Here he is, Chatri joining us. How are you, sir? Good to see you, man. It's good to see you as well. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, and I apologize for keeping you up. Are you very tired? Are you cursing me out? Are you saying this damn? Why did I agree <laughs> to do an interview at 1.05 no, no, a.m.? No, no, man. Oh, it's, it's all love for Ariel. Uh, especially, uh, hey, happy uh, Yom Kippur to you. And, oh, you're working on you're, you're working, and so you know I, I gotta work. Uh, I appreciate so it's, that. Yeah, I mean I'm usually up at this hour anyway, so not a big deal. Okay, well I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, you have a few things to announce. We'll get to the announcements, but I do want to ask. You know, tough year for everyone in the biz. I love the biz of MMA. I love the business of MMA. You guys came back and you did the events. And Singapore, very strict as far as COVID is concerned, and you had the events, um, you know, closed off to the public and everything. The past year and a half for you, no one saw this coming for the company. How would you describe? How has it been? What kind of challenges have you uh, had to overcome? And and how would you look back at the past 18 months as we are still trying to, you know, live through the pandemic? Man, you know, I I, uh, held a company meeting right when the pandemic hit and the the country was shut down here in Singapore. And uh, I said, look, this is going to be the worst global crisis in 100 years, genuinely. It's going to hit people in ways that we, we, we never imagined. And, uh, you know, so far it's come true. And, and uh, you know, every gl- major global sports property was down. We were also down uh, for a couple months last year. Uh, we're very fortunate to the Singapore government for allowing us to have a bubble here. It's kind of like the fight island, island bubble, except it's in Singapore. We've been able to have events, you know, on a regular cadence. Um, so we've been very fortunate. And... On one hand, you know, I told my team, look, this is going to be um, a really tough environment. So we're going to have to have resilience. You're going to, you know, we're going to get more no's, more rejections, more failures, more setbacks, more obstacles than ever before. At the same time, I said, we're going to have new problems we've never even seen. And so we have to have creativity in addition to the resilience and find solutions we've never thought of before. Think out of the box. And um, I'm super grateful to my team. Uh, they just, you know, burned the midnight oil and, and, and came up with incredible ideas and, and, and how we could operate um, even remotely, operating our entire events remotely. Uh, we, we operate our events in Thailand remotely from here without any staff, full-time staff on ground. We were on the phones and wow. on, on Zoom operate, operating the live events, uh, which is the first, right? So um, so it's been pretty pretty chaotic, but at the same time, you know, I'm really uh, thrilled to say that, you know, we hit record viewership numbers on TV, on digital and social uh, in 2020 and 2021. Again, is off to a rare start, record high levels right now as we speak. So super grateful to my team and, and, and super grateful to the fans out there. And obviously super grateful to the Singapore government. Yeah, the Singapore government, uh, you know, very strict, as, as you alluded to. Uh, are things easing up a little bit? Is, is life going to get easier for you guys or is it still as strict as it was a few months ago? No, it's definitely uh, gotten a lot better because, you know, uh, the country is about 84% vaccinated now and the Singapore government is is definitely, um, you know, heading directionally towards opening the economy fully. Um, it's not yet fully open, but um, that's the plan. And, uh, 
So far, the vaccines have helped uh, reduce the number of serious cases and fatalities in the country. So I think people having more confidence in it and the government has more confidence. But yes, it, it's still quite strict relative to the rest of the world. And, and they've done a phenomenal job managing this whole situation. Do all one championship fighters need to be vaccinated? Yes, by, by, by the Singapore government um, right now. We're having events only in Singapore in our bubble, and the Singapore government is only allowing tourists or business people or athletes who are fully vaccinated to enter the country. Has so that, that's blanket for every industry for everything, and not just one chapter sure, specific. Sure. Has that uh, caused any issues for you? Mm, not really. I think our athletes right now are about eighty percent vaccinated, anyways. Um, and uh, and that number is trending higher and higher every week. So, uh, yeah, it hasn't been an issue one way or the other. Um, had there not been a pandemic, do you think one championship would have debuted in America by now? Definitely. I mean, that was the plan, right? I yeah. mean, and then the pandemic hit and it just threw everything. I mean, all of our plans out the window, we had to <laughs> rejigger everything. So, yes, for sure. Definitely that was the plan. And, you know, that was always a plan with our Turner partnership and, and everything like that. Right? So that was the, you know, gradually going from BR live and then going out to TNT and then having events here. And that was the whole events in the States rather. Yeah. Uh, that was the whole game plan. And, and it just, uh, you know, it, it was a very difficult time. And obviously also Turner went through its own uh, kind of um, chaos with the AT&T acquisition. And then now it's getting spun out to discovery. So there's a lot of uh, internal chaos as well there. Mm -hmm. So, uh, did you have like a date, a location? Did you even have some semblance of a card? Like, were we that close to the one championship uh, U.S. debut? Yeah, I mean, definitely. It, wow. it, we, we had uh, a skeletal card. We, I mean, we didn't send bout agreements sure, out, but we had a game plan. And, and 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 yeah, I mean, I mean, we were super excited and and had the right broadcast partner. And so, yeah, where would it have been? That I can't say, okay. Ariel. I just right. say that you know we. We have we are talking to multiple states. We have a few states that have approved our global rule set. Um, you know, Rich Franklin and and uh, Matt Hume, who, who live in the states, have done a phenomenal job uh, talking to different athletic commissions. So um, yeah, things are looking good. So do you think is that is that still in the works? Maybe not for twenty twenty one, but twenty twenty two. Do you think one if if things continue to get better across the world with the pandemic? Do you think one will finally come to the U.S. to hold yeah. an event here? Yes, I can say with almost 100% certainty. Uh, obviously, as long as COVID moves yeah. in the right direction, and it does seem to be in, in various parts of the world. Of course, I think Asia is still, as a continent, the worst hit reach. You know, I mean, you, you have record level highs in different countries here. Uh, most countries' borders are still shut, um, not allowing, you know, travel. So it's still tough, but um, directionally, I, I think, the world is moving in the right direction. And um, if things stay the way they are, what would, yeah, with almost 100% certainty, we'll be in the States next year. Nice. Um, you mentioned TNT, great partner. Uh, they have a lot of great things going for them with the NBA, NHL coming to TNT, AEW wrestling. Uh, so you guys are a big part of what they're doing. And you had that fun month of events on a Wednesday, which I really liked after AEW. I thought it was a really great idea to have you guys come on right after. Unfortunately, the first event, you, you can't, it's not pro wrestling, right? You can't script this thing. You have the weird finish <laughs> with Eddie and then you have yes. DJ losing. Ah, man, frustrating. What yeah, is going totally. on in, in Chatri's mind when this is all unfolding? This is your big live show on, on you know, yeah. prime time Wednesday. There's not a lot of sports going on. What is going on in your mind when this is all unfolding? 
um, a lot of swear words, <laughs> and you know, I was I was definitely not a not a happy camper, man. I was uh, I was like, how the hell can we like uh, we open up, boom, it's, this happens, and we have a five minute low, like it was just the worst possible start. Right. But you know, that's the thing about live sports; it is what it is, and so we just went with it and. And uh, super grateful to Eddie for uh, coming back on, on the last TNT show, right? Uh, when he didn't have to. Uh, but, you know, I asked him for a favor and he, he came back. So, yeah. Um, overall, was everyone happy with those events? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think uh, we were uh, surprised by the numbers. And uh, we recently, um, uh, David Levy, uh, the former president of Turner, um, joined our board of directors and, and he said, you know, the numbers we hit on TNT is quite remarkable, given the fact that Turner is an entertainment channel and, and mostly females uh, in terms of his demographic. And so, yeah, I mean, he was very happy with the numbers and he said, look, I'm super surprised. And um, he just recently joined our board um, a couple months ago. Okay. Or a month ago. So you are um, about to celebrate your 10 year anniversary, which is a great milestone for any uh, organization, let alone one in MMA, because we've seen so many come and go. So congratulations to you and the entire team on that. And I do believe, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, in conjunction with this, you are going to be holding a big event to celebrate the 10-year anniversary of one championship, correct? Yes. Yes, yes, that's right. And um, to, to to honor your new show or uh-huh. your or, or, or back on the show, we decided we're going to announce it with you. December 5th, uh, the event's called One X. Um, for the, you know, Roman numeral 10, yep. uh, 10th year anniversary is going to be our biggest and most unique show in the history of the company. And, uh, I, I think it's going to be something, uh, crazy fun for fans all over the world. Okay. Can you tell us about some of the fights on this card, this crazy unique card? Yes. So I can say, uh, I can give you a sneak peek of a few of the fights, uh, not all the main events, not all the main fights, but, 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 a, a, a really interesting one is, uh, Demetrius Johnson, Versus Rotang, uh, who's the Muay Thai world champion here. Uh, so uh, in a mixed special rules fight, four rounds, three minutes apiece. The first round is Muay Thai in four ounce gloves. Second round is MMA in, in you know full MMA rules and global rule set. Third round is Muay Thai, and uh, fourth round is uh, MMA. And so this, why it's so intriguing is, and and it's crazy because this bout has already been signed. If you think about it, the first round opens. Rotang, his record is 267 wins um, and 42 losses in Muay Thai. He is literally the hottest KO striker on the planet in terms of uh, striking arts right now. Um, he's 10-0 in, in one championship, and he's the Muay Thai world champion. He has three minutes to try to knock out DJ. So DJ, you know, there's a lot of pressure on him. But then if he survives the next round, um, you know, Rotang has to survive three minutes of DJ's, you know, explosive wrestling and submission and whatnot, right? I don't think uh, DJ's going to strike with him. Um, and DJ has that pressure, man. I got I got to sub him within three minutes. Same thing with Rotang in the first round. I got to knock him out in the, in the three minutes. So it's going to be this kind of really um, pride style, you know, back to the old days. And, and we want to do something special like that. We wanted to do something fun uh, that would, you know, commemorate martial arts, um, in a way that you know uh, celebrates all of mixed martial arts and its its, its history, not just our ten year history. Um, we're also having uh, several multi, uh, world title fights. So Bibiano uh, Fernandez, who's twenty four and four, uh, he's the longest reigning world champ uh, in the bantamweight division. He's defending against uh, John Lineker, 
um, who has risen through the ranks and is now the number one contender. Uh, John Lineker, I think, is 34-9. That's going to be a very intriguing fight. They've gone back and forth already on Twitter. In Brazil, they're they're super stoked uh, for this fight because there's genuine uh, bad blood and and, and, uh, potential passing the torch. So let's see. Um, Then what else? Um, There's a featherweight world title fight. Gary Tonin, um, world champion submission grappler, who's now 6-0 in, in mixed martial arts. The nastiest heel hooks, you know, ripping legs uh, since he was a kid. Um, very, very dangerous now because he's also an outstanding striker now and, and with outstanding wrestling. But he's fighting Tan Lei, a very uh, unique uh, Taekwondo stylist with, you know, good jiu-jitsu. Uh, I think he believe, he believe I believe he trains with Ryan Hall. Um, and then a bunch of other, you know, we'll, we'll make more announcements, but I think for now, Ariel, that's breaking news right here. December it. 5th, one X, the biggest show in history of one, the most unique. We've never done, again, this kind of mix. Uh, you probably know already, Ariel, we do have individual um, styles. So we have mixed martial arts, we have Muay Thai, we have kickboxing, we've had boxing, we've had submission grappling matches, you know, on the on our platform, but we've never done crossover stuff um, like you know, the old day, the old school days of, of Asian MMA. Okay. Uh, first off, thank you for that. Um, I have to start with the DJ fight. Very unique. Uh, I know maybe not everyone here in America who's just an MMA fan may be um, familiar with Rotang, but uh, an absolute legend. And correct me if I'm wrong, you've never done a match like this before, right? You've done, you've done, Muay you've, but you've never done a mixed match. Uh, was it hard I would guess, I don't know, maybe to DJ or to either guy. Was it hard to get them on board to do this? Like, did you have to convince one harder than oh, the other to do that, this? That was, that was, was crazy. They both said yes right away. Wow. Um, yeah, they both said yes right away. Uh, you know, I think they thought about it for, uh, you know, uh, a few hours, but the, they replied both the same day. So it wasn't something they, you know, it's, um, yeah, you're right. Uh, Ruk Tang out here in Asia, he's a legend. I mean, you know. Um, he's just a massive KO striker. And, you know, if you go to YouTube or any, anyone watching the show right now, go to YouTube, Google Rotang, and you'll see he's a monster. He's just a beast. He's literally, uh, I would argue, one of the greatest pound-for-pound strikers, KO strikers on the planet today of any style. Yeah. Um, and, and in four-ounce gloves, you know, being able to use his Muay Thai weapons against a DJ, um, it's going to be very intriguing. Incredible. But at the same time, like I said, they alternate, right? The first round is Muay Thai, full rule, uh, full rules. The second round, MMA, uh, global rule set, and then it flip-flops. So both athletes are going to be under pressure for massive aggression in one round and then massive defense in the other. So, you know, they're going to, no matter what, they're going to try to finish each other. Uh, what weight? Uh, flyweight. Flyweight. And that's 135 in, in one championship given your right, your right. Uh, because, because because it's hydrated yeah. right we don't we, we don't uh, the, the athletes don't cut water weight and then bounce back we gotcha. we their their the hydration levels throughout fight week and actually even before fight week um where is the event taking place uh in singapore in singapore okay um so that is super interesting and i think that's the one that's going to steal all the headlines the bibiana fernandez versus john lineker fight is very interesting to me for a couple reasons of course we know john lineker from the ufc uh hands a stone a fan favorite always a very action uh packed fighter uh loves to push the pace etc um but correct me if i'm wrong last couple years with bibiano it's, it's been hard to get him to come back to, to one, like what has been the issue there? Why, why has he been uh, on hiatus? Uh, we, 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 yeah. So, so we just ran into, you know, uh, the typical contract stuff, but Bibby and I had a great 
uh, chat on Friday, resolves all the issues. Uh, he signed back on and everything's great. And, and uh, he's agreed to this fight with, with Lineker. So I think um, Brazil's going to get what they want. But I think you're right. I mean, Lineker's a very, very fun fighter to watch. And uh, I think he's done very well with our hydration system. He used to have difficulty cutting weight, as you, as you know. Um, but with our hydration system, he feels much stronger. And, and he's had some really explosive performances against some elite, elite um, world-class martial artists. And so, um, yeah, I think uh, Bibiano, this could possibly uh, be a passing of the torch. But at the same time, Bibiano, again, I just, I just had a Zoom call with him on Friday. Uh, he's super fired up. He, has, uh, he, still, he still has uh, that fire. And, and that's the most important thing is as long as athlete has the capabilities, health, and the fire in the belly, I think that's very, very important. Like the minute the fire is gone, then you're not going to train. Then you're not going to be, you know, and once the fight gets tough, you're not going to be there. And that's when you get injured. Um, but Bibby's is, 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 is on point and he's, um, yeah, he's super excited. Um, and I'm a big fan of Gary Tonin. I think he's one of the best fighters that you have on uh, on your roster. He's very dynamic as well. His ground game, well-known here in the United States. Speaking of the United States, how will fans in the United States watch this? Is this a TNT card? Is it a pay-per-view card? How's it going to be distributed? Uh, we, I'll announce that uh, closer. Once we have the full card and all that stuff, uh, I'll announce that, yeah. Okay. Give it to us on TNT, you know, Wednesday nights. Give it to us. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we are in the middle of our U.S. Uh, media rights roadshow. Um, oh. it, it kicked off about uh, several weeks ago. CAA um, representing one and has been leading this stuff. So we've been talking to all the major network broadcasters, all the digital players in the U.S. Um, for our next uh, deal. And obviously talking to Turner as well. Um, okay. But our U.S. deal ends this year. And uh, so we're uh, apparently CAA you know, says you, you, before the deal ends, six months out. You start meeting with everybody, so you close the deal. Um, okay. So right. You're testing the market. So Free agents. This is big. This is big in this ever-evolving <laughs> yes. uh, media landscape. So yes. uh, as of right now, you don't have a, a new home for 2022. The deal, does the, does the Turner deal include December 5th, or could you be on a new platform come December 5th? I'll just say everything's up in the air right now, gotcha. and, okay. and uh, let's see what happens in the next several weeks, next few weeks. Fans in attendance or no fans? Fans in attendance, yes. But again, we have we haven't cleared yet how many. Gotcha. So uh, September twenty fourth, you know, in uh, in ten days, whatever it is, we have a, a major event here in Singapore called One Revolution. Um, the Singapore government has allowed five hundred fans in, um, so that will have our first kind of. I, I think yeah, we, we haven't had five hundred fans um, since. Uh, before the pandemic, you know, right. when we used to have full stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That with fans. Uh, that's the one with Christian Lee on it, um, his younger sister, right. the Lee family doing yep. great things for you guys. Angela Lee, of course, a uh, longtime champion who who left to, uh, you know, give birth and uh, happy to hear that everything is, is going well with her as well. Um, all right, so uh, all that is, is TBD. That is good. Um, we'll find out where in the coming weeks, I'm assuming. Um, I do want to ask you about a couple other non-1X uh, items. Uh, Vitor Belfort was sure. a fighter that you signed, and then he never actually fought for one. And we just saw him right. uh, compete against Evander Holyfield, right. of all people. What happened with Vitor? Yeah. Where did it all go wrong there? No, I, I wouldn't say it went wrong at all. I mean, Vitor and I are, are still quite close. Uh, we, we, we chat on WhatsApp. Uh, I wished him good luck for his fight when he was fighting De La Hoya, and then the next yeah. day switched to Evander. Um, but I'm super happy for Vitor. So, 
in a nutshell, you know, uh, Vitor joined one and, and we had this big vision that he was going to still be fighting in his prime kind of thing. And then I think he realized that he wanted kind of these special fights. And, um, you know, we wanted, you know, to put kind of young lion, old lion kind of storylines. And so we just could never see eye to eye. And again, it's nothing negative. It's it's Vitor has a vision, which is panning out, which is phenomenal. I mean, you know, hopefully he, he fights, you know, Anderson Silva or he fights, you know, Tyson or whoever next. But, um, uh, you know, it, there was just a mismatch in terms of what he wanted and what we wanted. And we, we tried. I mean, both sides tried really hard. He, he offered a lot of different opponents. We offered a lot of different opponents. And we just never came together. So, you know, at some point, it's like, look, Chacha, I want to go to my force. You know, I don't want to stop you. And and um, and I left the door open. I said, look, Vitor, if, if you want to work with us again, no problem. You know? And and so, yeah, I would say, like, we, we have a, a very – I personally have a very strong relationship with Vitor. Okay. Uh, Eddie Alvarez, will yeah. he keep fighting for you guys? Yeah, 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 definitely. Okay. And he's uh, is he gonna be on this card? uh, Yeah. Will he be on this card, the one X card? Um, I think probably, but I I don't want to speak because again, we want to get bout agreements and all that other all those things sorted out. So I gave you, I gave you three fights. I'm very greedy. uh, I'm very greedy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yes, and I broke the news of one X on December fifth for you. But uh, yeah, yeah, so. You know, I'd like to speak when I when things are done. No, totally. Um, I do want to ask you. Uh, yesterday, BloodyElbow.com had a very long report about uh, one's financial situation um, and talking about you know some of the financial losses, some of the um, you know the improvements over the past year. But there was this one big item about. Uh, a transfer of $400 million from the group to the company, which then one reported this big, um, you know, financial gain in 2020. Uh, what could you tell us about this transaction and just perhaps overall the financial health of one championship? I will say that uh, the internet is a dangerous place and you shouldn't uh, believe everything you read. Uh, that's number one. And, and there's a lot of factual errors and, and inaccuracies, you know, uh, but I mean that. Um, I'll just say that we have some big news that I'll be announcing, and um, that's that, that. I'll leave it at that. Some exciting news, and yeah, I mean uh, I'll leave it at that. I'll just say like, look, the internet is a dangerous place if if you believe everything you read, especially from less than. Uh, um, how can I say it politely? Uh, I would, uh, yeah. I'll just leave it at that. Since you say you know inaccurate, would you like to clear up anything that was reported there? No, it's, I mean there's tons of inaccuracies, tons of errors. Like it's just not even like one or two. If it was one or two, I would point it out. But I mean, like it's not worth addressing. Again, it's like like I said, like um, I like to let the truth speak over time, as opposed to uh, you know, um, yeah, it's just one of these things. I mean. Uh, you know, for a long time, people doubted us, for example, our viewership numbers. And then Nielsen Industry, Nielsen came out with an industry report on the biggest yes. sports properties in the world just a few months ago. And, you know, this so-called publication was also one of those guys, <laughs> publications that was, you know, yapping about our, our viewership numbers. And Nielsen comes out and says, look, one is in the top 10 in terms of viewership and engagement metrics. Um and actually, number three in the world for most watched uh, global sports property on TV. Um, and then our organic, online organic video views, uh, I think was number four, something in the world, number five in the world, something like that. 
Um, so I, I prefer the truth to come out and, and my team and I are just working hard. And I, I can just tell you that um, we have literally some of the smartest blue chip institutional investors in the world, like Sequoia Capital, um, like Tomasek Holdings, um, who are razor, razor sharp, and, and, and they're not going to hand us $346 million if we don't know what we're doing. Um, and yeah, I mean, if, if, if uh, I'll just leave it at that, man. Like, I'm super excited for so many things. And then obviously announcing our December 5th event, which will be a, a blockbuster event and, um, and a huge 2022. I don't know if you saw some of the interviews I gave, I think uh, last week um, to mixedmartialarts.com or whoever. Um, 2022 is going to be our biggest year yet. I mean, it's just, we have the, the plans and we'll announce our, our, our calendar of events uh, uh, imminently. I look forward to that, and I, and I appreciate you you weighing in on that. Um, just two last things, and then I'll let you go. Um, one plan on potentially going public is that in in, in the works? I um, Ariel, I'd love to make some big announcements. I can't <laughs> talk right, about right. stuff right now. So I mean, Matt, you you've done. Uh, I can just say that you've uh, yeah. But I just yeah. I I, I can't uh, I can't say anything. I, I appreciate that. Uh, one last one. Your, you know, the rules, the one rules, everything is a little different than here in the U.S. As you alluded to earlier, you have this um, this committee that will oversee controversial um, moments, decisions such as the Eddie Alvarez one, and there have been decisions that have been discussed about being overturned and whatnot, and this leads to speculation. Are these an independent body is not an independent body. Why do you do this? And could you say that these people are truly independent of one as opposed to people who are working for one and trying to make decisions in the best interest of one? So in the history of, in 10 year history, um, the committees um, met five times um, and actually only overturned one or two times, I think. Um, and the committee's made of 14 uh, individuals um, some are former athletes, judges and officials, etc. And we do independent reviews and then everyone comes together and makes a vote. Um, and that's just, uh, you know, in lieu of an athletic commission. But again, if you look at the history of, you know, a thousand, I think 1200 matches or something, uh, the committee has been used five times. So just for pers perspective. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like, if something's super egregious and, and we've been lucky so far, I know that like, we haven't had any massive egregious fights overall, you know, it's not like it's so uh, I think when something's egregious or when something's super controversial, it, it just warrants another look and make sure that uh, things are, are a hundred percent kosher. Chatri, uh, I wish you guys the best. I really appreciate you coming on the show to announce this news. Uh, people are buzzing about the DJ news in particular. I love it. I can't wait to talk to them about it. Uh, a, a match made, uh, you know, in in uh, in in the fans' dreams, a fight that we never thought would happen, especially if you're a fan of combat sports to see two legends come together. Mixed rules, very fun, you know, with the each round presenting a different set of rules, Muay Thai, MMA, and then vice versa. Uh, that's a really cool idea. I wish you guys the best December 5th, September 24th as well for your next event. Uh, 10 years is a huge milestone, so you should be very, very excited about that. And 
Thank you for coming on the show to talk about all of this. And uh, I'm looking forward to the, uh, the big plans coming in 2022. And if you need any help selling the rights, you know, Independent Helwani did a great job of selling his own rights a few months ago. I can uh, speak on your behalf to any TV network that is uh, interested in your product. Uh, thank you, Ariel. <laughs> um, uh, you know, sending you positive uh, energy you. back to you as well and a uh, huge supporter. So uh, thanks for having me on the show, man. All right. All the best to you. And thanks for staying up as well. There he yeah. is, the CEO, the chairman, the founder of One Championship. Again, uh, just broke the news December 5th, 1X. X, go and give it to you. Uh, I do want to let you know that today's program is brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. UFC 300 is here. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is giving new customers a shot to turn five buccarinos into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any UFC 300 bet. So uh, there's a lot of close fights. Jamal Hill, Alex Pereira is a close one. Um, one that is of interest to me, Kayla Harrison, Holly Holm going the distance. Um, obviously, Zhang Weili is a big favorite. The biggest favorite on the card is actually Bo Nickel against Cody Brundage. That may not be a surprise to you. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things on this card. And the place to be for it all is DraftKings Sportsbook. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code Hour. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code DMAR. The crown is yours. Gambling prong call 100Gambler or in West Virginia, visit www.100gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resorts in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. CDKNG.com slash MMA.com. Yes. Uh, for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. 10-year anniversary. Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, one of the greatest fighters in the history of this sport. Mixed martial arts. Have you heard about it? It's a great sport. DJ, Mighty Mouse, returning in a Muay Thai slash MMA hybrid fight against the legend, the Muay Thai champ. Over 200 wins, Rotang. I mean, that. if you are a fan of both, I'm assuming there are people out there who's uh, a fan of both. Uh, they're probably very excited about that. One round Muay Thai, one round MMA, one round Muay Thai, one round MMA. Four round fight, 135 pounds. That's pretty damn cool. Gary Tonin, Bibiana Fernandez, one of the best uh, bantamweights on the planet, going up against John Lineker. Hands of stone. So this is all very exciting. Uh, 1X, December 5th. Looking forward to that. Competition is good, my friends. Competition is good. Um, different opportunities, different promotions. This is not me campaigning for one over the other, but I can assure you, just look at that story that I broke uh, last night about this new potential group coming together um, and having a bit of a different financial model, if you will, with the revenue sharing and the pension and all that stuff. And then look at the engagement. And then look at all the fighters weighing in. They all want it. They all think what Luke Rockhold is saying. They all think what other people are saying. Not all say it. They all want it. Um, so I root for that. If I have one rooting interest in this, in this whole endeavor, 
It's A, I want to see the fighters make the most amount of money possible so that at the end of the day, they and their families can be comfortable and they can look at their bank account and say, look what I did as I put my body and my health on the line. And I, I root for as many options as possible because I think that's better for everyone and that will then lead to more fighters making money. Speaking of that, we do have the return of Bellator this Saturday. They're back in San Jose, first time uh, since the pandemic, back in their essential, you know, their home, their hometown, if you will, you know, Scott Coker, Strikeforce, San Jose, Bellator. Uh, they're at the HP Pavilion, and the main event is a fascinating one. It's the former UFC uh, title contender, Yoel Romero, the soldier of God, making his Bellator debut against Phil Davis. He was supposed to fight in May, got postponed, but he is back for the first time since March of 2020 when he fought Israel Adesonia for the UFC middleweight title in Las Vegas. I was there, full crowd, the last fight before the pandemic, and now he'll return on Saturday on Showtime to fight Mr. Wonderful Phil Davis. Let's go back to the Zoom machine and say hello to the soldier of God, my old friend, Shalom, Yoel Romero. How are you? Shalom, Shalom. Everything good? Good to see you again, my friend. Oh, it's a How pleasure. And sorry I'm a few minutes late. I apologize for keeping you waiting, uh, Yoel. You know, I mentioned this. I don't know if you remember. Your UFC debut, April of 2013, in San Jose, in the same building where you're making your Bellator debut, you want flying knee against Clifford Sargs. Did you remember that? That's kind of crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. What do you yes. remember about that night? That was a great finish. You were at the beginning of the card, you remember? And you did that flying knee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Um, um, it's not possible I don't remember this because that's the, the, my debut in UFC. Yes, and now you're back in Bellator, new promotion, but in the same building, who would have thought? Now, Yoel, we, yeah. thought, we thought that we were going to see you in May, but unfortunately you had to withdraw. What happened? Um, I have a little trouble with, uh, you know, with uh, my eyes again. Uh, the doctor said, you know, can fight. Is it better you you can um, have a little time, you know? He said, okay, uh, I, I can wait. And now everything is okay. Everything is perfect, thank God for everything. And the time that God is perfect, you know? Only what you need, you need to pass it. You need to wait for God. And is the eye okay now? Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah, perfect. W which eye was it, right or left? What did you say? What eye was the left. The left. And it's, not, it's not the eye for... Um, for the shiu, is the denare and denare, um, denare eyes. And and what was the issue? Like you couldn't see, or you got hurt, you got poked. What was the problem? When we stay in the sparring, and my training partner, that just happened, you know. He put the thing in the, in the eyes, and uh, um, yeah. By the way, is this my old friend, the translator? Is this uh, no? Where is my no, guy? No, 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 no. He's a he's hey. a the jiu-jitsu coach. Oh, okay. He's a he's a Gabriel jiu-jitsu coach. Where's the, my the, friend? The, uh, almost is almost is to here, but he need to do something in Miami. Ah. But uh, we're talking every day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Almost is here. He's not yeah, gonna yeah. be there on Saturday. Oh, uh, maybe he's coming. Maybe. He's got to be there. Maybe he's coming the Saturday. Way. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Okay, all right. Um, that fight, a lot of people are excited about you versus Rumble Johnson. 
Were you disappointed? Like, how, how did you feel when the fight didn't come through for you? You know, it's uh, um, I feel bad for the for the. No, I can go for the fight, mm. you no, know? but I know that's it. That happening and many happen in the in the in the in this way, you know. And uh, so you you um, que tú tienes que estar en las expectativas de que eso pase. You have to be expecting that that can happen. Yeah. Um, you know, y tomar paciencia y relajarte y saber que esto puede pasar muchas veces y, y vivir con ello. Well, you gotta learn to deal with it, be patient, and you know this. You, you, it could happen often, yeah. you know. So yeah, just gotta be prepared for it. Calm down, calm down. Thinking about your time and and. Uh, uh, thinking about the the, the the recover where you recover what you have what you have in this moment, and thinking God, they say okay, take your time, um, recover what you have, and be going, and uh, and just to keep uh, driving on and, and looking forward. Yes, sir. Did you watch his fight, Rumble's fight, and if so, what did you think of his performance? Um. Uh, Come on, you uh, Um, this is amazing, guys. Amazing fight. Yeah. But I think it's not the the. Que, no pienso que era su mejor noche. He didn't think it was his best night. Right. Es un gran peleador, pero no creo que fue su mejor noche. He's a great fighter, but he doesn't think that that was the best night that he had. Best performance. Creo que si hubiésemos peleado esa noche, no podía haber sido. He thinks that if they would have fought that night, you all would have won for sure. Was that hard for you to watch that and look at his performance and say, man, this would have been a great way to debut. I could have beaten that guy. That would have been a perfect way to debut in Bellator. ¿Qué dice? Que si tú creíste viendo la pelea, que tú sabías que ibas a ganar esa pelea. Todo el mundo que me estaba viendo entrenar lo dijo. Everyone who watched him training saw, uh, said that. Yeah. And he thinks that too. Now, yeah. did you try to push... To have this fight now, I know he's part of the tournament, but maybe he takes a step out of the tournament or you end like that. You can do the rumble fight instead of someone like Phil Davis. Did you try to push for that or was that not an option? Yeah, our, our strategy, our decision was initially to uh, first go against Rumble Johnson. So why aren't you fighting Rumble Johnson? Entonces, ¿por qué no, no está peleando contra Ahora mismo? Mm -hmm. Porque él está en, 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 el, en el circuito y yo estoy fuera del circuito. Oh, because he's in the circuit. He's in the tournament yeah. circuit. And he's not in, uh, Joel's not in it. By the way, Joel, it's a nice, uh, it's a nice wallpaper there, but I want to see your face, my friend. I want to see that face, a beautiful face. Yes, there it is. <laughs> um, so you, now you're not a part of the tournament. At least for now, no tournament for you. No, no, no. I don't stay no more in the in the tournament. Um, uh, when you not compete in the, the in the, the tournament, you go out. That's what I think. I don't know. Okay, no problem. Que no sé muy bien la regla, pero creo que sí que estoy fuera de. Yeah, he says that uh, uh, apparently, uh, if you're not in the tournament, if you're not in the circuit, you can't just jump in into the circuit. Uh, what did they, uh, or at least what did you think when they offered you Phil Davis? Did you like the matchup? 
Ah, fantástico. Eh, eh, que yo creo que todos estos hombres, si mientras que peleara con uno de los que estuvieron dentro del, del, del tournament, era, era, eran posibilidades que también podía haber peleado con estas personas dentro del tournament. Y Phil Davis estaba en las posibilidades de haber peleado con, con él en el torneo también. O sea, que es una de las grandes peleas que, que, estaba, que se estaba pensando. So, yeah, that was uh, one of the great fights that he was uh, looking forward to. But, uh, I, I'm sorry, repeat the question again. <laughs> Bro, sí, que si, eh, eh, que si yo, pues, si, si yo estoy bien con pelear con Phil Davis, claramente que sí, porque Phil Davis era una de las personas que estaba en el plan de haber peleado con él. Porque si él le ganaba a Russo y yo le ganaba a Anthony Johnson, nos íbamos a ver en la segunda pelea. Yeah, he thinks that if they were to face each other uh, in the tournament or at the tournament, uh, he, he would have done great against either one. Mm -hmm. Si él le ganaba a Russo y yo le ganaba a Anthony Johnson. If he would have beat the Russian guy and then Joel would have beat the no, Anthony no Johnson, cara. they would have faced each other anyway. Right, right. That's a good point. Um, so, Yoel, 44 now for you, and you haven't fought since March of 2020. It's been a year and a half for you since your last fight. Was it hard to keep motivated, to keep in shape? Was it hard for you being out for so long? Um, my brother, you need to see me Saturday. <laughs> I, I, I'm very, very happy. I'm very... Um, I, I, I need to say, say something like that. Thank God. Because God, um, Dios me cuida, Dios me, 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 me mantiene de una forma que yo mismo digo, wow, es increíble. He says that God protects him, God keeps him in a condition that, that's amazing, and uh, he's just watching over him all the time. Estoy mirando las personas como que han peleado este fin de semana en boxeo, como que peleó Vitor Belfo, eh, peleó... Eh, ante, eh, Tito Ortiz. Eh, Silva, so, eh, estas leyendas, y yo veo cómo pelean, y wow, y yo me quedo mirándome. Amazing. So, uh, he says, como been, yo me veo en el entrenamiento. Y... He says he's been watching how Belfort fought this weekend, how Holyfield fought this weekend, how Tito Ortiz and, uh, and Anderson Silva fought this weekend, and the way he feels in the training, the way he looks in the training, es so much better and uh, he's, he's very confident he's going to do an amazing Cuando job. entreno con los muchachos jóvenes de mi gimnasio de 22 años, 21 años, eh, 25 años, o sea, muchachos bien jóvenes y, y yo me veo compitiendo y entrenando con ellos, eh, tengo que darle muchas gracias a él. So when he sees those 20-year-olds uh, at the gym and, you know, he starts rolling with them, aspiring with them, he just has to be thankful towards God because he's doing a, a great job. You think you're in better shape now, you all, at 44 than you were 20 years ago? ¿Qué dice? ¿Tú crees que estás en mejor condición ahora que hace 20 años? Es una mezcla. It's a mix. Okay. Es una mezcla de, 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 sé dónde poner las energías, porque cuando uno es joven, uno no piensa mucho, uno de, derrama más de energía. Sí. Uh, it's a mix, uh, because when you're young, uh, in, in earlier years, he would, You know, most most athletes want to waste a lot of energy on, on unnecessary positions. Where now he's always uh, he's, he learns how to manage his uh, energy, and so he's a lot more energy efficient now. Es 
en el entrenamiento. Hay entrenamientos donde tienes que empujar y es ahí donde te das cuenta qué tanto has perdido si tienes mejor capacidad o no. So there are certain training sessions that you may have to work harder and, and uh, other training sessions where you don't have to work harder and you have to be more technical. So he, uh, he can tell where, you know, uh, el, el, it's the training that determines how ready you are. Y, y, y sí. Yes, I can feel that. Um, I have to ask you, well, I saw an interview recently with your manager, one of your managers, Malki Kawa. This was when uh, Tyron Woodley was fighting Jake Paul, and there was a little thing with Mama Woodley, Tyron's mother. And he said, Jorge, Yoel, they all said they wanted to come to Cleveland to defend Mama Woodley because it got a little dicey there with Jake Paul's team. Is that true? Did you say, I'm going to come down there and defend my guy and, and, and Mama Woodley because it was getting a little too uh, dicey there? With yeah, it's true. That because the, the, the problem is that the first pelea que querían los, ¿cómo se llama el pelea? Paul, ¿no? Jake Paul. Huh? Jake Paul, la primera pelea que ellos estuvieron buscando con un peleador de MMA fue conmigo. Y ellos al final dijeron que no, que no querían enfrentarse a mí. So what happened was, yeah, it's true. What happened was that um, initially Jake Paul wanted to do a fight with Joel, but then when Joel wanted to do it, uh, he canceled. He canceled the fight. Uh, Jake, the Paul team canceled the fight. La primera pelea que se estuvo hablando y haciendo todo. La primera palabra, la primera pelea que se estuvo palabreando fue conmigo. La primera pelea. So initially they wanted to do the fight with Joel, but uh, eso fue exactamente saliendo medio de de UFC. Todavía no había firmado. That's when he was just getting out of the UFC. Wow. He had not signed with Bellator yet. Y ellos dijeron no, no, con él no. And they said eventually, uh, no, no, not with you. <laughs> really? So you were in talks to fight Jake Paul? Like, I guess when maybe Ben Askren was supposed to fight him, you were in talks to fight Jake, and then it Entonces, fell through? Cuando, cuando ellos querían pelear con Ben Askren, eh, eh, preferieron ir con Ben Askren en vez de que... Sí, yeah. sí, sí, sí. Yes, yes. Yeah, con el primero que hablaron fue conmigo. So they actually... Yo con Kawa, con los Kawa. So they spoke with Kawa first and Yoel first. Those were, were the, that was the first option, but uh, they decided to go with Ben Askren, which is an easier target, I guess. Were you, uh, were you disappointed that the fight didn't happen? They don't want to face a real fighter. <laughs> what, do, what did you think of his... <laughs> Están haciendo mucho show. They, they're just trying to make it a show. Y no quieren joder su show. And they don't want to ruin their No quieren enfrentar verdaderamente un pelea. They don't want to. Están, están acomodando su pelea. They're, they're finding the easy fights. Como si, Mayweather es el, una de las grandes leyendas del boxeo, pero hay mucha diferencia de peso. Yeah, even though they go against Mayweather, but the thing is there's a huge weight difference. Y el otro peleó con Tyron Bully, que también él le lleva peso a Bully. So and the other one fought Tyron Woodley, which which he also has a lot of weight over Tyron Woodley. Mi mi amigo Woodley, porque mi amigo, pero sabemos que Woodley no en sus últimas peleas en UFC fue tocado muchas veces y él no tiene un un boxeo muy depurado como tal. So uh, he says that Tyron Woodley, uh, you know, he had took a couple of shots on the fight at the UFC before that fight, and he doesn't he doesn't have like a like a extremely high level of boxing. He's a mixed uh, fighter, like a mixed martial artist. But he's not like a, only a boxer. Right, right. 
Right. Entonces, pero esperemos que ellos se llamen a capítulo y llamen, y no sé, si quieren verdaderamente pelear con un peleador de su peso, de su talla. Aquí está Evelito. Well, so um, let's hope that they, they decide to change their minds, you know, hopefully, and you're all here waiting for El público se lo está diciendo a ellos, pelea con Joel Romero, pero bueno. The fans want to see the fight with Joel, against Joel Romero, and, but they, they know. Because Joel, know, you're, mientras, you're, mientras, mientras tanto, yo sigo enfocado en mi carrera. In the meantime, he's, Joel's just going to focus on his own path. His Ahora own. pensando en lo que me viene el sábado. Thinking about focusing on the fight on Saturday. Sure. Y, y, darle, y darle a, a la fanaticada lo que esperan. And give the fans what they want. But this is interesting, Yoel, because you're a Showtime fighter, right? Bellator Showtime, he's Showtime. I feel like this, if you win this fight on Saturday, he doesn't have an opponent. He said to me on Monday, he wants to fight your friend, Jorge Masvidal, next. Maybe he wasn't thinking about you. What do you, what do you think of that, him versus Jorge Masvidal? Fair fight? So, como, so como él también es de Showtime, y tú eres de Showtime, él quería buscar otro peleador, pero en vez buscó a Jorge Masvidal. ¿Qué piensas de eso? Bueno, Jorjito tiene un buen bolseo. Eh, creo que está eh, bastante seguido a lo que ellos están buscando. Bueno, también estaría bueno en una pelea con Jorjito. Bueno, well, he, he'd like to see that fight too with, uh, against uh, George, because George has an amazing boxing, and uh, it'd be nice to see that match. But maybe after your fight, I'm saying on Saturday... It could be a lot because you know with the UFC they might not let George do the fight, but with you it's Showtime. They might let you do the fight. You know what I'm saying, Yoel? We'll just leave everything in the hands of God. All right, the soldier of God. Uh, I just want to ask you, Yoel, in terms of your feeling towards the UFC, watching their fights, your feeling towards the executives, like. Do you, do you have animosity by the way things ended? It's very rare for someone to fight for a title and then you get, you know, let go a few months later. Do you, how do you feel towards them now after the way things ended between you and the UFC? ¿Cómo te sientes de cómo terminaron las cosas con el UFC? Que si tienes animosidad contra ellos de que acababas de pelear por el título y después de repente te dejaron ir. Todo se lo dejo, como acabo de decir, todo se lo dejo en la mano de Dios. Eh, primeramente, yo doy gracias a Dios porque para mí es una experiencia el pasado por UFC. Eso me hizo crecer. So he says, like everything, he, he always leaves everything in the hand of God. For him, it's a great experience to have uh, been in the UFC and fighting for the title there. And uh, he just uh, wants to be thankful towards everything that's happened. Eh, todo siempre lo veo con algo con, con cosas positivas. He sees everything with, uh, in a positive view. Eh, conocí gente fantástica dentro de la compañía de UFC. He met some fantastic people within the company of the UFC. Eh, nada, no tengo ningún resentimiento contra ninguno de no Con ninguno de los trabajadores, con, con ninguno de los jefes. No, 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 the executives, no. Eh, deseo mucha salud. He wishes them well. Que se cuiden mucho de toda esta pandemia y todas las cosas malas y enfermedades que hay. That uh, they, they, uh, their good health, uh, you know, towards this pandemic. And... Uh, y 
declarar delante aquí de todos ustedes que no tengo ningún problema ni resentimiento contra contra ninguno de los jefes de UFC. He has no problems, no resentment towards any of the boss and any of the executives at the UFC. Eh, vivo mi vida tranquila, vivo mi vida llena de 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 de, de alegría, de felicidad. He leads a happy life. Uh, Tener rencor eso hace que que el alma y la salud de unos to have a animosity it's bad for the soul and bad for your health i agree eh, y, y lo más lo, lo principal es seguir hacia adelante eh, and the most important thing is just keep driving on se lo dejo todo a dios ¿me entiendes? He, se lo dejo todo he, a dios everything in the hands of god eh, ahí todo se queda a, a la luz ellos dijeron que estaba viejo eso fueron los argumentos que estaba viejo y que había perdido cuatro peleas continuo seguido y que por eso so, everything is, you know, exposed. You know, uh, they said that he was uh, too old, so that, peleas, eh? so that he had lost four fights in a row, so they let him go. So they had a, a list of 61 athletes that they were going to let go of. He was one of the first ones that were going to leave. I think he was like number four and three or four that was released from that list. He's not aware if they actually let go of 61 athletes. He's in a great company. He's very happy. The, from what he's, uh, his interactions with all the employees at Bellator has been phenomenal. God knows uh, where he puts you and how he puts you in, in certain positions. Uh, he's very happy with all the people that he's met at Bellator up, up, up until now. They've been fantastic. So he's saying that this from the bottom of his heart, not because he's working for Bellator, all the people that he's worked with, all the executives, all the, all the employees have been just fantastic, phenomenal. I'm happy to hear um, that. Espero, espero, espero eh, poder lucir todo, todo el talento y toda la, la el don que Dios, que Dios me ha dado, poderlo lucir aquí en, en, en Bellator. He wants to, he's hoping that he's able to expose all his talents and the gifts that God has given him. All right. Yoel, I wish you the best, my friend. I'm happy to hear that you're happy. I can't wait for your debut. It's been a long time since we saw you in action. Uh, this Saturday, Showtime, 10 p.m. Eastern, the return of the Soldier of God, Yoel Romero. And Yoel, I'll say to you, like you told my friend Phil Murphy at ESPN, go, go. You know that? Go. Yes, go. Go. Go and take whatever you want. Yes, there he is, yes. Yoel. My man, shalom, my friend. Good luck to you. The one and only, Yoel Romero. Thank you so much to him and uh, his great translator for uh, helping us.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's out there. One of the all-time great clips um, from uh, uh, Yoel, uh, Phil Murphy, amazing guy, works at ESPN, did that sit-down with him <laughs> uh, prior to the, uh, the Israel Adesanya fight. Go, go. I mean, New York Rick, who along with the great Tessa runs the ESPN MMA uh, social handle, I think he's reused that clip uh, 45 times since then and with good reason. It's one of the all-time great clips. So I'm looking forward to the return of Yoel Romero, uh, the soldier of God, fighting Phil Davis, two former uh, UFC title contenders also on the card, uh, Naaman Gracie against Mark Leminger, uh, Deanna Bennett against Alejandra Lara, Georgie Karahanian against Saul Rogers, uh, Christian Edwards versus Ben Parrish. That's the main card, 10 p.m. Eastern, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern, you can watch the prelims, I do believe, on MMA Fighting. Uh, let's see. Any names here worth mentioning? Mm, Grant Neal, 6-0. and um, So in any event, Bellator returning back in San Jose. That is this Saturday, and uh, UFC with an event also. The UFC event will likely end at 10. So yes, they're going head-to-head, Sorta, but um, in reality, they're they're not because the UFC card is going to end at uh, ten, and then the main card for Showtime will end. Excuse me, start at ten, end at one a.m. Uh, the UFC main card is Anthony Smith versus Ryan Spann. Big fight for Ryan, first time headlining a card, uh, going up against the veteran Anthony Smith, who was great on the show last week. Uh, Devin Clark against Iwan. Kutilaba, good friend of Daniel Cormier's, Iwan. I love when he says Iwan. Um, Cameron Van Camp against Nicholas Mata. Mandy Baum against Ariane Lipsky. Christos Jagos against Armin Sarukian. And Antonio Arroyo against Joaquin Buckley. Of course, Joaquin Buckley, the individual who pulled off the best knockout of 2020. 2020, not 2020, just 2020. Um, do I need to uh, check in with our friend? Anyone else on the uh, undercard that had a Goldie, Emily Whitmire, Tony Gravely, Penny Kianzad against Raquel Pennington, Mike Rodriguez. All right, uh, later in the program, we're going to be joined by Michael Chandler, who, like I said, returns on November 6th. And uh, we'll also be joined by Valentina Shevchenko, who returns to action next Saturday. Next Saturday is the next UFC pay-per-view, and she will go up against Lauren Murphy. She just beat Jessica Andrade via TKO April 24th. A lot of people thought that that would be her toughest test to date as a, you know, UFC flyweight champion. 
uh, it didn't end up being that. I really thought that she, uh, you know, she made a statement to remind people that she is the best. Fun little main card, uh, Volkanovsky Ortega for the men's featherweight title, Shevchenko Murphy for the women's flyweight title. Some guy named Nick Diaz returning against Robbie Lawler. Um, that is going to be really interesting. Curtis Blades against Jarzinho Rosenstrike. Jessica Andrade against Cynthia Calvillo, a women's flyweight fight. Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler. The rematch. Many, many years in the making. What, like 17 years in the making or something like that? Seeing Nick back first time since 2050. Crazy! For now, though, let's go to one of my favorite personalities in MMA. Last time I spoke to Juliana Pena, she dropped one of the best promos of the year. And so I'm secretly hoping that she has brought the same kind of fire today to the MMA Hour. Let us find out and go to the Zoom machine and say hello to Juliana Pena, who's uh, joining us on the side of the road. How are you, Juliana? (laughs) I'm good. How are you, Ariel? What's going on? Not much. Where are you right now? Um, I'm outside of jujitsu. I'm just at my second practice. I'm in transition from one practice to the other. Okay. Well, I appreciate you doing this for us. Um, in between the practices and everything. Why are you wearing a shirt that says scumbag, Juliana? That seems a little bit, uh, I mean, are you insulting yourself? What are you trying to say? Why would I insult myself? No, this is just, it's whatever you feel is, is why I wore it. Well, what's, are you trying to say that I am a, a scumbag? No, no, no. I mean, if I'm the very shoe sensitive. fits, wear it. But no, I'm not. If I'm not talking fits, about you at what all. What the heck, Juliana? I mean, you throwing. What's on the rest of the shirt? Is it like a brand name scumbag, or is it my? Uh, it's like a. It's like a. Ta- oh, oh, sorry. It's like yeah. a. Ta- it's like a tapatio shirt, you know. Okay, okay, I feel you. Um, all right, yeah, it's, sure. Uh, it's it's because I'm spicy. I feel it's it because I'm. That's because I'm fiery. It's because well, I'm a fiery Latina. Last time we spoke, Juliana, you were dropping. Can I just say, and you know, maybe this is me giving myself the old Barry Horowitz, the pat on the back. I feel like the promo you dropped me, the interview, is what got you the title fight. I felt like that was the nail on the cut. That's what you needed to get that fight. Am I wrong? Am I giving myself too much credit? No, I, I wanted to say thank you, actually, Ariel, because I don't think without that interview, I wouldn't have got it done. I, I've been falling on deaf ears for a while. And so it was something like that little mouth of the South over here had to do what I had to do to get the fight. And it worked. So thank you. Now you got the, fu- and by the way, I think you're covering part of the camera there with your hand. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, cause you know, I know you're going to drop some bombs. So I want it to be, you know, full picture. <laughs> um, so then you get the fight and then the fight gets delayed because she, uh, she got COVID. What was your reaction when you found out about that? Um, I'm not surprised. Didn't I tell you that was going to happen in the promo? I literally said she was not going to make the fight. Like I literally said, if it happens, because I doubt that it will. Um, So, so far, my predictions have been dead on. You can call me Nostradamus, uh, but it is what it is. You know, we are going to fight. I have faith that it's going to it's going to happen. And and so it's just a waiting game. The only thing that sucks is, number one, it's uh it sucks. You know, you can't say anything about somebody getting COVID because like, that's like the excuse that people can use for everything now. Um, and so it's just kind of, I have to redo everything and all these months and months of hard work that I've been doing has basically just been, you know, thrown down the 
the drain and start all over again, basically. But that's okay. You know, uh, it's uh, it just gives me more time to get ready. And I've just tried to turn a negative into a positive and just have faith in the fact that I know that we're going to fight. But just to be clear, you're not implying that she looked for a way out, right? Like you, you, you know, for a fact, she got COVID and couldn't fight. I'll tell you this. Uh, when Hunter Campbell told me that uh, he was looking at her negative or her positive COVID test, I said, okay, I, obviously I said more than okay. Uh, and then I don't want to get into particulars because sure, I sure. about, you know, put a fist, fist through the wall. Um, the next day, an article came out from her wife stating that they had been locked down for, you know, uh, 11 days and that they both, all three of them tested uh, negative and that they were all clear and that they were all ready to go. And so I saw them like the next day in the gym and like training and everything like that. And so they were posting this stuff. And I just had a feeling it wasn't going to happen in general because every time she's posting, it's like chocolate cake and, you know, all sorts of goodies that you normally wouldn't be eating in a fight camp so i was just like she's just probably on the couch eating chocolate cake and was like what the fight's next week oh no no i got covid like we're not like she probably just wasn't ready you know what i mean so it, it is what it is and and now you know i had uh i had words with her head coach down in houston dan lambert whom um, flew me down to Vegas or to Florida and, you know, had me up on, on South beach and, and, you know, rented me a car to drive around and train in their gym. So I know Dan well, and I'm like, Dan, what's up? You know? And he was like, no, she's sick. And I said, that's funny that you say that because I have a, a source in the gym, your gym, who literally told me she hasn't been training for this fight at all. They haven't seen her in the gym at all. And like, he stopped his wheels start turning and he's like, no, 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 no. She's been training. She's been training. I'm like, all right, Dan, whatever. And then he walked away. You know, we, we said, you know, whenever the fight was going to be made. And then right after that, uh, the next day, that was a Sunday, Sunday, she's in the gym and I've been seeing her in the gym every single day ever since. So I think that that really lit a fire under her butt. Wow. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the, the tea on my side. Okay. Wow. This is a lot of tea right here. You just poured out for us. So Joanna, number one, the thing about Dan, uh, just to be clear, when he got you the car and everything, that was a while ago, right? You're saying you had a relationship. That when, yeah. That was when okay. I, that was when I won the ultimate fighter when everyone was down in that gym shooting their butts with steroids. Yeah. That was that era. What are, you what are you talking about? That's literally what their head coach told me. Like they were welcoming me into the gym and he was like, the girls shoot themselves in the ass in the bathroom. They do it to each other. And I'm like, no, they don't. And he was like, I swear to God, they're all on steroids. I'm like, what? I, I literally didn't believe him. And he was literally like, shake me in that. Like, I promise they're doing it. <laughs> Wait, you was know? that part and of so the sales that, pitch? Yeah, exactly. I was like, get me the hell out of here. <laughs> so that was my experience when I trained an American top team, but that was pre USADA. So oh, I'll say okay. that. All right. And, and, and how long did you actually train there for? Just a week, just okay. a week. And she wasn't there that yet, was right? That was back when Robbie Lawler was still there and stuff. Right. She wasn't there yet, right? She was still, I think at MMA masters. Yeah, probably. I don't remember her being there at the time. No. Okay. Um, okay. And then, you, so then you 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 tell them that. Now, here's here's my question to you. Sometimes we've seen people get sick, and everyone's different with all this. Did you get an explanation as to why it was August to December? Like, why such a big gap? How did and how did you feel about yeah, that? Yeah, and I. 
And I tried to like explain that to Dan, like, okay, she's got COVID, like why till December? And he, you know, gave the shrug and starts looking around like, oh, well, because, but the reality is, is that this guy's in Dana White's back pocket and they're close friends. And so they're going to make happen whatever is best for them on their side. They're very smart and methodical about the way they do these things. And um, I think that that's what it was. It was whatever works best for them. And and Dana's told me, of course, listen, when you've done as much for the division that Amanda has, you get away and with a lot more and you have leeway in the company. And she has been showing that, you know, hand over fist. So when this, I think when the fight got canceled, it was like a week and a half removed from the, uh, the card, right? It was like late July and the card was August 6th. At that point, you're you're almost at the point where you're probably like coming down, right? Like you're 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 teetering off. Training camp is wrapping up. For training camp to wrap up, no fight, and now you have to start. Almost is it almost like you're just doing two training camps at this point? How is that for you mentally with no payoff? It's it's four training camps actually because I literally went from uh, Jermaine took a couple months off, not even, but stayed in the gym training and then turned around and fought Sarah McMahon. And then right after I fought Sarah McMahon, I went right into my next training camp uh, for, at the time it was Holly Holm. Holly Holm pulled out of the fight. Amanda had just beat Megan Anderson. And they said the next fight was me and me, me, uh, me and Amanda. Mm-hmm. And so I went right into camp and I, March 1st, basically I've been training since March 1st for this fight. And so, um, of course, there's a lot of frustration, but that's not going to get me anywhere. You know, for me, it's just a matter of time. It's going to happen. And I can't keep dwelling on the fact that they've been pushing this back forever. You know, when I beat Kat Zingano at UFC 200, um, I was supposed to fight Amanda then. And she said that, you know, she would fight me. So it's just been this fight that's, you know, been supposed to happen a million, a million times now. And, you know, I have faith in the fact that it will eventually happen. At this point, uh, UFC 200 was 2016. Are you tired of thinking about this person? Like in your mind, you've almost been chasing her, right? For so long. Are you just tired of her? Uh, no, you know, like I said, when you're the champ and you have, you know, um, beat everybody that they put in front of you so far, it's almost like you can do whatever you want. You can do no wrong. So I would be, I'm sure when I get there, pulling the same moves, you know, um, but at the same time, if you're not going to fight for the belt at 135 pounds and if the weight cut is an issue or if you just don't want to come down and compete at this weight class anymore, then we got to keep the division pushing, you know, and so I think other fighters that have had the belt have been stripped for less. Like Nico Montano didn't even get, you know, a break at all. They were just like, done, you're done, you know? So they stripped her right away. And in in the men's divisions too, I, I feel like they, they strip people a lot faster. But for whatever reason, and like I said, she's done a lot for the division, so she can basically just get away with murder and everybody else just has to eat it. So it's just... It's, it's going to happen. I just need to keep continue to uh, be patient. I'm not, I'm Hurry not, up and wait, as they say. Right, in the business, yes. I'm not trying to stir the pot or be an instigator or anything like that, uh, Juliana. Oh, you're not. No, I'm not. You're not, Ariel. I'm just saying, I mean, they just put a interim heavyweight title after the guy won the belt three months prior. So. Right. I'm, and try, I'm, I'm like, trying to okay, back so you up, Juliana. I'm trying to back you uh, up here. And, 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 and I swear to God, that's exactly when I went to Houston. I, I was hot when I went to Houston. And I literally said, Dana, you guys have uh, some heavyweights here that are fighting for a belt. It's been less than three months. You know what I mean? Like, are you kidding me? And he told me, you know, that's like comparing apples and garlic. 
What? Uh, you How? Can't yeah. How? He literally just told me you can't even compare. That was his answer to me. You literally can't even compare the two. Did and you so say why? I was just like, like, what's the yeah. difference? Yeah. And, and I, and I, it was one of those questions where he just wants to get away from it. You know what I mean? So he was just like, oh yeah, you know, you can't even compare. And I'm, I'm just supposed to accept that. You know what I mean? So I'm like, whatever, you know, it's, it, I'm, I'm not surprised. I guess I could say, right. I love that line from, uh, from Nate, but it's true. I'm not surprised. Why did you go to Houston, by the way? Uh, my training partner was fighting on the card. Um, and I wanted to be there to support my boy. Uh, number one. And number two, I, I wanted to show my face. I wanted to let the UFC know that I was here. I did everything that I was contractually obligated to do. I showed up to fight and, uh, you know, she's not here, but at least I'll let the fans know and everybody else know that I was here and I was ready to go and, and I was ready to fight. Um, it's always good to be around the fans too. I, I enjoy that aspect and uh, I, I feel like they give me a ton of energy and it was great to, to have that fan experience, that one-on-one -on -one with people and, and talk to them and, and see how they were feeling. Yeah, you even grabbed the mic at the press conference. I thought that was very shrewd on your part. That was great stuff. <laughs> It was too easy. It was way too easy. Um, I was there for my guy. He was weighing in and it was the press conference. No, it was a press conference. And uh, the mic was just like two rows behind me. And I looked at Lene, you know, she's the head at, at the UFC. And I said, hey, can I ask a question? She said, go for it. And so I was like, I'm doing it. It's just literally like it's within arm's reach. Why not? You know, and so I did. And uh, it was pretty funny. He, you could tell once again, he wasn't ready for it. And he was just like, ah, you know, next question. Um, you and Dana are cool though, right? Super cool. I, I love Dana. I, he's always helped me out. I don't really have anything negative to say about the guy. He's always done right by me. And um, I don't really have anything negative other than the fact that, you know, anytime I've ever needed help, Dana's been there to, to back me up. That is great. Um, so you, you have this situation where you're getting the fight. You talk a big game. Like you, you say that she's ducking you and all this stuff coming up with excuses. I'm sure you see a lot of people say like, oh, Juliana's delusional. She's going to get smoked, all this stuff. When you see that, what is your reaction? How do you feel? Yeah, I mean, nobody is is uh, counting me in as far as winning the fight. Everyone's against me. No one no one is rooting for me. And, and literally the whole world, it seems like, uh, is against me. And that's just kind of the way that it's always been for me. You know what I mean? It's like everyone has always counted me out. They counted me out on the ultimate fighter. They've counted me out my entire career. No one ever takes me seriously. You know, they're willing to lose, but they don't want to lose to me. Mm. And I just think that, you know, you cannot let what these people say get to you. If I paid attention to every negative thing that somebody said, I would have jumped, needed to jump out of a window a long time ago. You got to have thick skin in this business. And what you think or what this person thinks or Joe Blow or this guy and that, uh, it, it's none of my business. I know what I can do. I know what I'm capable of doing. And what you think about me is none of my business. I don't give an F what other people think. It's this. what I know and what's in my heart. And in, in my heart and what I know is I'm a champion and I'm going to be a champion and I am the champion. And, you know, there's battles, little battles that happen before the fight and some of these battles have already been lost, but not on my side. What do you mean by that? That's very interesting. What do you mean by those battles? Just the fact that this fight has been pushed mm. uh, back so many times. If you look at, you know, fights that I've had with um, Jermaine or Valentina, these girls are at the top of the 
roster. They're at the top of the division and I've got in the cage and I've fought with both of them. You know, I know what they feel like. Um, and if you lined up all the girls in the top five of the division, like Holly Holm and Jermaine and Valentina and Amanda, uh, I would pick Amanda every single time. Uh, styles make fights and stylistically she's the best possible matchup for her, regardless of her being the champion, regardless of her holding the belt. Stylistically, she's the best possible fight for me. And so I think that she knows that. And I think that she's very smart in the way that she approaches things. I think it was been announced to me that, you know, she's doing it on purpose because she wants to try to have a mental edge on you and make you wait even longer and give herself even more time to prepare and whatever the case may be. It was like, I was ready to fight when I beat Kat Zingano at UFC 200 and you said that you'd fight me and you didn't. Then I was ready to fight, you know, other several times when you agreed to fight me and you didn't. I caught wind uh, when I was fighting Jermaine that you were glued to the TV, praying to God on your knees that I didn't win the fight because you don't want to fight me. So there's these little um, battles before the fight that are happening. And when I uh, finally got the fight and I said that she wasn't going to show up, she didn't show up. You know what I mean? And so these there's these little battles that I feel like, you know, I'm already winning in that department. And these promos, uh, the only Juliana. thing that's these promos are great. What? Who's behind these promos? Is this all you or is there someone coaching you? This is incredible stuff. It's, honestly, Ariel, no one's behind any of this. This I'm not trying to be cocky. I'm not yeah. trying to be an asshole. I'm not trying to be arrogant. This is just facts of what have happened in my life and in my career. Um, nobody needs to tell me anything. I know what I did. I know what I've done, you know? And so it's just hurry up and wait game. We're going to fight. It's all over, but the crime. I saw my, she's a minus 800 favorite according, meaning, do you know, you know what that means, right? Like that's a massive favorite. No respect for yeah, the you odds makers. Yeah, you got to bet $800 to win 100 bucks. Yeah, look at you. Wow. You're a, <laughs> you're a jack of all trades, but that's disrespect. <laughs> the, the, the odds makers don't think you have a chance. And, and again, like I said, none of my business, you yeah. know, it's like records, you know, it's like that. It doesn't mean shit. We're going to get in a fist fight. They're going to close the door. It's going to be her and I, we're going to, we're going to do this. And that's the only thing that matters. What I want to know is you're trying to put me in the hot seat, Ariel, and I'm going to flip the script oh. on you oh, oh. and I'm going to ask you, yeah. uh, are you betting that? Are you betting that eight to one? Like what, where oh. are you at? Are you betting against me? Are you betting for me? What do you, who do so, you got? Okay. So I will say this. Um, I don't think it's appropriate for media guys to bet uh, because I feel like I'm I'm fascinated by the well, let me explain what you don't believe me. So, so what so what you're saying is that you're you're going to you're going to bet on me, right? You know, listen, listen, I'm trying to tell you something. Uh, okay, I, okay. I, I I feel like it's inappropriate for us to bet because then you get too emotionally invested for the wrong reasons. And now you're rooting for people on media row or wherever you're supposed to be reporting on the event. It's not a good look. I do love the fact that you can bet on sports everywhere in the States or a lot of the States now and it's growing and all that stuff and everyone's making money. I think this is great. Um, but that's not my thing. That being said, you know, if I if I can say, uh, Juliana, and 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 to steal a, a wrestling line, break the fourth wall. I do feel uh, a kinship towards you and your struggle because I know that you have felt um, frustrated um, and and felt held back and things like that. And I have felt the same way about certain things. But um, I don't know if we've ever talked about this. I I flew back from Australia with you many moons ago after Holly Holm and Ronda Rousey, and I learned a lot about you. And uh, you know, that's a long flight. And, uh, you know, we tr we went through the airport together to make the connection and everything. So I feel, you know, uh, I, I don't want to call you a friend or anything like that, but I feel, you know, 
I, w- I would be very happy for you, uh, not to say that I'm rooting for you, I'd be happy for you to see you reach the mountaintop because I know how much you've been through to get to this point. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And Was that a good uh, I'll always remember that. Yeah, that's a great answer. Okay. Thank you. Um, thank just, you. Just a couple more things and then I'll let you go. I love the visual of yeah. the, the, the baby seat behind you because, you know, there's that juxtaposition of the fighter, the fiery fighter and the mom. How are you balancing right. everything? Oh, man, it is tough. Let me tell you. She oh, just started the, school. You're covering the thing. I know your arm oh, is probably tired. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, it's, uh, you, I would be lying to you if I said that it was easy and that I got it, you know, like that. Um, to be honest, I am struggling scheduling wise because my kid just started school. My baby, Issa, she's beautiful. I love her. Um, I struggled with putting her in school because I'm like, you're three years old. You're still a baby. Like, I want you close to me. And then it's like, no, she needs to learn. But I'm like, I don't want her to be like the way of the world so soon. Like she's, she just needs to stay close to mom. So I struggled with putting her in school, but she's in school now and it has completely changed my uh, scheduling. So I got to be up at 630 every day to get her there to school on time. And my training is at nighttime. So it sucks because, you know, I can't train at seven o'clock at night anymore because I have to have her in bed by that time so that she can wake up and go at 630 and go to school the next day. So it's definitely been a transition to um, have her in school and make sure that, you know, I'm not just working with one coach. I'm working with other coaches and I have to make sure that my schedule is you know, proper for, you know, all of these coaches and her schooling and me and then leaving practice and going to pick her up and then coming back and trying, you know, so it's been a, that's definitely different this camp than last camp, which sucks because if I would have fought then, then I wouldn't have had to deal with this. You know what I mean? But now that I'm in my fourth camp, now I'm having to completely change the way that my scheduling is and the way that I train. And, and right now it's kind of been, that's been the hardest part, but otherwise, you know, being a mom obviously gives you that extra power and she's awesome. So I, I, I love her to death and, and I think that she's so great. So other than that, do you, do you, do you talk to other moms who are fighters about how they handle this? Maybe the, the young moms, like with the, with the little kids, like, have you ever asked anyone how they deal with all of this? Um, I don't have any, you know, serious young pros or young moms in my gym that actually, you know, do, do what I do. Um, and I haven't like reached out to other, uh, female, well, actually Misha, but you know, there's people that have a ton of help. And to be honest, Ariel, I left my entire life, uh, in Washington where I had my entire family and I moved to Chicago. I met a guy and it got all serious. And, and then we had a baby and then we actually split. So I'm a single mom and I have all of no family here to help me out. So it's just literally all of my family in Washington and it's just me and my daughter here in Chicago. So I've tried to like make things work with like maybe her godparents that can watch her or, you know, trying to get some extra help with her dad if, if his schedule allows it. But for the most part, um, trying to juggle being a single mom and being a fighter and, you know, taking care of my kid to the best of my ability has been uh, quite difficult. Um, but at the same time, this is the type of stuff that makes moms superheroes right. and single mothers have my heart. And I really, truly believe that it does nothing but instill a level of strength and patience in me um, that I can only gain from these types of experiences that I'm going through. And so with that being said, um, I'm just doing the best I can with what I got. You're doing great. Uh, Thank you for sharing that. I'm really sorry to hear that uh, you went through that. 
Um, Me but, too. It sucks. But what are you going to do? Yeah. Like, I don't want to cry. No, I know. I know. What, what, any consideration of moving back to Washington now? And now I can't do that, right? Because now that I had my daughter, it's like I, I'm pretty much stuck in Chicago for the next 18 years. But I have to say, I love Chicago. Chicago is great. I, I think that it gets a lot of uh, bad rap, you know, for just the, the environment. But, you know, I have nothing but good things to say about Chicago. It's one of the best places ever. And, and I thoroughly enjoy being here, uh, regardless of the fact of not having any uh, outside help from my family. Uh, did you draw inspiration from Misha seeing her come back as a mom of two and looking the way she did, fighting the way she did? I know, you know, you know her from the show. Did that feel inspirational to you? Yeah, absolutely. I was so happy for her and I knew she was going to win. She actually took my head coach, Rick Little, and now Rick is uh, her head coach. And, you know, so I, I hear from Rick and stuff how she's doing. And I, I already knew from uh, the start that she was going to kill it and that she was going to do amazing. And, and I was, you know, uh, so happy for her to see her get that win. Okay. Well, Juliana, I wish you the best. Um, I hope everything goes well for you and the family. Uh, I know it's tough, but you're you're kicking ass, Juliana. And and there's a lot of people. Moms are superheroes, they are. Ariel. They're incredible. I have my. I'm a mama's boy. I I love my mom dearly. <laughs> she is incredible. My wife. We have three kids. Incredible. Uh, we don't possess the DNA that you guys possess. And to see people. Um, when I say we, I mean like men. I I don't think we have the courage, the strength that that moms possess and fathers. Um, is who I'm talking about. But yeah. I, I also think that uh, seeing someone like yourself balancing all of this is very inspirational because uh, you're not just someone going to an office. You're going to get beat up. You're tired afterwards. You're sore. And then you have to be super mom to your child. So kudos to you. A lot of people, right. I'm sure, supporting you, Juliana. Good luck December 11th. Hopefully it actually happens. Hopefully it actually yeah. comes through. And then on December 13th, you come back on this show and you tell everyone, I told you so with that big fat belt. That's right. That's right. Thank you, Ariel. I appreciate the time. I appreciate the good energy and the great vibes. And, and thank you for having me on. It's always a pleasure. Always. Love talking to you, Juliana. All the best to you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. I'll talk to you later. All right. There she is, the Venezuelan vixen, Juliana Pena, who uh, is just absolutely on fire. Um... Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When it comes to these interviews, uh, I mean, as of late, it's just been incredible stuff from her. I did that one interview with her towards the end of my uh, time at ESPN, and uh, it was just amazing. On fire. So great stuff there. Hopefully we get the fight on December 11th. That's the card, like I said, they're trying to do. It's not a done deal. I think I saw it reported in some places that it's, uh, that it's a done deal or going to be a done deal or was a done deal. It's the fight that they want. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but not quite a done deal just yet between uh, Dustin Poirier and Charles Oliveira du Bronx. Um, but that would be, if all goes to plan, the last title fight of 2021. And hey, if Dustin Poirier wins that fight, hard to deny him the male fighter of the year, right? Because he would end the year 3-0 and 
with wins over Conor McGregor twice, once in January, once in July, and then, of course, he'd become the champion, the undisputed champion. I mean, that's pretty damn big. That is pretty damn big. Uh, later in the program, we'll talk to the man that Oliveira beat in May to become the title holder, one Michael Chandler, returning to action November 6th. Also, we'll wrap the day up with everyone's favorite segment of the week, on the nose, where we answer your questions. You have left us some questions, I do believe, on my Substack page, arielhawani.substack.com, 32 at the moment. Uh, so if you want to weigh in, please do so. But the next UFC pay-per-view is UFC 266, September 25th. So not this weekend, next weekend, in Las Vegas, back in Sin City for another uh, pay-per-view after that trip to Houston on August 6th. Big gap between pay-per-views. Usually it's not a month and a half like this. Uh, but nevertheless, nice card. Andraj Calvillo, Blades, Rosenstrike. Some guy named Nicholas Diaz coming back against Robbie Lawler in a rematch. Headliner, Alexander the Great Volkanovsky defending his featherweight title against Brian T-City 2.0 Ortega. And the co-main event features the very hot Lauren Murphy. And of course, I, I'm sure Bohoshinia Depot is going to clip that. When I say very hot, I mean she's streaking right now. When I say she's streaking, she's on a winning streak. All right? Just chill out, everyone. One, two, three, four, five wins in a row. She just defeated Joanne Calderwood. Don't be clipping this and then trying to, uh, you know, slander my good name. Uh, Lauren Murphy's on some kind of role as of late, but she goes up against, in my opinion... Uh, one of the greatest, greatest female fighters in the history of this sport, mixed martial arts, the one and only, the reigning, defending UFC women's flyweight champion, the bullet, Valentina Shevchenko. There she is, my good friend, Valentina Shevchenko. How are you? Hello, Ariel. Everything good. Thank you. <laughs> uh, it's great to talk to you again, Valentina. And uh, we are rapidly approaching this fight, so I appreciate it. We'll, we'll get the uh, you know the the bad news out of the way. Um, no, you told me beforehand, no ukulele. You haven't had a chance to practice. <laughs> so I, I was going to bring mine too, and we were going to do like maybe a duet, but you didn't bring it, so I said I wasn't going to bring it. Yeah, we'll do it next time. <laughs> you, keep, you keep telling me next time, Valentine. Next time, next time. Soon I'm going to think you don't practice anymore. Have you just dropped it? Are you on to the next thing? New instrument. No, you know, you know, it's kind of like uh, we had um, so many things going on. And for example, this summer, uh, we did amazing trip. Uh, so we actually like uh, I was living on board on a boat, uh, traveling in Puget Sound in Washington State for two months, like uh, um, like from Seattle, Tacoma, uh, Olympia, uh, Port Ludlow, Port Townsend. We uh, came up all the way to the last port, last marina, where next is Canada only. And it's kind of like, you know, it's every day something new. Every day you have to um, explore something, like learn something new, as for example, navigate through the currents, uh, know where is the water is flat, where is, where is like race, where is that, where, when it's down, know about your engine, how to fix like small issues. And it's kind of like so much things to learn. And I just didn't have time to practice my ability. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, by the way, so you were living on the boat for two months, like sleeping there, living there? Exactly. Why? Sleeping Why did you do this? Here, like, 
because it's lifetime experience. It's a, um, my lifestyle, what I really love to do. I love to travel and be like we're traveling um, the last two years, many travels we did by car, by in our truck. And this summer we decided to explore it by water. So it was amazing experience. Was it just you and your sister? Uh, coach. Just three of you, that's it. Yes, and it's, you know, it's kind of like uh, our boat, it's kind of like bigger boat when it's like a trawler, uh, kind of like a fishing boat when you have like your sleeping place, you have like your kitchen, small kitchen. So it's kind of like limited space. You have to adjust your lifestyle. You cannot, you don't have your like um, what you used to have, like all comfortable things um, by your hand, but it's amazing. It's like, uh, um so uh like uh, i don't know refreshing and energizing and actually my training camp i started over there on boat on board wow. and uh, just like training in washington state in different academies for example we um uh today we are sleep in one marina and we are staying there like for one or two days we find a gym where we train or we find air like outdoor place by the uh, water or like a park and we just do trains there so it was perfect starting off my train camp for this fight wow so you could be in some random city in the state of washington and all of a sudden one of the greatest fighters of all time just walks in valentina is that what happened like you just walked in and there's just like people in a strip mall somewhere training that is that i'm assuming that's what happened right this is what happened yes <laughs> how did they react to you they must have been freaking out no I'm, I'm undercover. Oh, you, people <laughs> I have my clothes on. I have my hood. I have everything. And uh, once we are didn't uh, don't start in, like to hit pads, it's kind of like hard to realize that it's me. <laughs> oh my god, that must have been incredible. Um, you and your sister, I noticed, and your coach. Pavel, you like to travel a lot. Like I always see you in a different. You're in like you're in uh, Louisiana. You're in Texas. You're doing this stuff. Why do you guys love to travel so much around the U.S.? Uh, because it's like it's amazing experience that uh, teaching you so much things, uh, real life things about the life, how everything works. It's teach you how you have to act like with other people, relationship. It's bring into your life uh, new people with the, like similar energies that you have. So it's just amazing, and I see think it's like uh, I would say it's real school, real education for any people. <laughs> um, and, and your your sister Antonina is is a pilot now. She's she's a full fledged pilot, right? She has a license and everything. Exactly. She got her private uh, pilot license like years ago, and now she has commercial license. So she's uh, allowed to uh, work uh, as uh, being a pilot, actually. But it's still uh, kind of like, um, oh, for example, this summer she did also amazing trip. So she flew from Las Vegas to all the way to Florida. It wow. took to her like four days. She was stopping in uh, different airports, like smaller air airports, sometimes even uh, sleep in F. ABO. It's kind of like a, a very, a very wild experience where you're not in the hotel, but in FBO. But uh, when it's, we are speaking about smaller um, uh, airports, it's kind of like no people there. It's a uh, very uh, like uh, good place, like good energy over there because it's kind of, I would say all places like um, 
like marinas, ports, airports, they have such a nice, nice vibes that you kind of like uh, every time want to go back there and it's just like like a magnet and you just want to be there. <laughs> uh, how do you feel when you're in the plane with her? Do you get nervous? You trust her? Amazing. No, yeah. no. She's like very controlled. She, uh, uh, you know, kind of, when she started to study, it's kind of like she wanted to study everything to understand how it's work. Not only to study, like to know uh what she has to answer to pass the test, but actually uh, to know how it works. And every time, like, she wants to learn more and more. And, uh, like, uh, how many um, year, year and a half, she joined Air Civil Patrol. So, and also this summer, she had, like, uh, training camp for cadets. So when uh, cadets about, like, what age, 12, 14 uh, years, they just go there and, um, like, have experience of, like, uh, be there like training there and Antonina as a pilot she was uh, teaching them like making their uh, first introductional fi uh, flights so teaching them a little bit like uh, introducing to the uh, flight so it was uh, another thing that she was doing this summer and it's like uh, a lot of a lot of things uh, wonderful things we did uh, combining between both of us <laughs> I love it by the way did you go to Canada when you guys were so close or you couldn't go because of uh, COVID, right? Could not. Uh, yes, we wanted, but we could not. But we say hi from the yes. other shore. <laughs> Great. Um, well, uh, you return to action uh, next Saturday, not this Saturday, next Saturday against Lauren Murphy. Uh, Lauren Murphy, uh, like I said, is on a nice winning streak. She's won five in a row. Uh, she has also said that you have never fought anyone as tough as her. Valentina, what do you make of that statement? Everyone says the same. <laughs> Everyone says the same. Uh, Jessica Andrade said, you never fought someone with ability or wrestling like right. me. So they keep saying the same. But yeah, it's good. She believes that. As I'm saying all the time, it's going to be more frustrating for her to feel the difference. <laughs> yeah, I, I would argue that uh, perhaps the more accurate statement is that she has never fought anyone as tough as you. Um, <laughs> that, I think that would be more accurate. Are you impressed, though, with what she's done as of late? Uh, you know, it's kind of like being in this level of competition, it's going to be silly to expect uh, someone with less skills because we are speaking about top athletes. We are speaking about the elite of fighters who are on the top of the uh, world fighters, right? And uh, it's kind of like definitely if she got where she is, um, she has to be good. And um, I'm preparing for the good fight. I'm preparing for the a lot of uh, like scenes coming out from her. But in the same time, I'm I know that uh, she's strong, she's dangerous, uh, but it doesn't mean that it's something else, something beyond what I'm expecting. I'm expecting hard fight. That's why I hard train. I, I train very hard. I train very strong, and that's why my training camp is like full power, and it's continue like all the way till this week. The hard hard trainings and then for the fight we, we're gonna uh, start to slow down a little bit but uh, like the same the same just uh, uh, to make sure that I am in the, my best shape and ready for the fight and my best uh, like moments I have to say uh, the Valentina that we saw back in April was one of my favorite versions of Valentina Shevchenko because you went out there you were on a mission you were gonna prove everyone wrong shut everyone up 
and just completely dismantle Jessica Andrade. You won't say this. You won't ever say this because you're too humble to say it. But you were out there to destroy her, and we saw that. I mean, that was an incredible performance. I love the fire that you showed. Is that the type of style that we're going to see next Saturday, or are you going to bring us something different to the table? You know, in my fights, it's kind of like I'm getting myself ready for anything and just be able to act and um, everywhere in the fight in the same confidence that I do. That's why we train like not just one style. We are fighting, we are uh, working on different fight tactics and we are working on everything that can happen, uh, what would happen and uh, what has the like possibility one person that it's going to happen, but we're still working on that. That's why it's kind of like I every time going into the fight and look for the moment when I can finish the fight sooner and this is the moment when you know it's kind of like when you go there your opponent expecting something from you and you break her expectation and you feel how inside she's breaking down and this is the moment when you go on top to finish her and this is this is the like feeling what i look into my fights you can feel that moment like you that is a tangible you can feel that what does that feel like to you when you notice that what does it feel uh it's kind of like internal things yeah Uh, you can you can't understand it before you actually understand it (laughs) it. to understand it you have to feel it (laughs) i get it (laughs) to feel it you have to have a lot of experience (laughs) i get it i get it it's just something inside of you and you could just sense their will breaking right like you just you feel it you know when you are for so long in martial arts fighting for so many different opponents in different uh, circumstances and different promotions different like level of uh, promotions and it's just like uh it's just uh, you can um feel tiny details you can feel actually the energy leading to the fight and i mean not the energy of the venue your own energy because more uh, like um many uh fighters who just starting their career you they cannot just control they cannot control their feelings emotions and that's why you can see the most of them like uh, uh burn out before the fight actually started it might happen only because they don't have enough experience it cannot control their emotions but when you have a lot of experience you actually ha- can turn this uh, upside down and feel this energy toward your favor and this is what i tell like uh, uh when you are start are starting to see with your internal vision not only like what you see exactly but you see the picture but you understand what's going on underground the picture you know that's that's a really interesting thing that you say because we have seen throughout um the last decade or so in the ufc where there's a champion who holds the title for a very long time, and then eventually they lose, and it's almost like they're relieved that it's over. Uh, we saw this with Anderson. We saw this with Demetrius Johnson. You know, it's just like, yeah, okay, I'm done with it. It brings a lot of pressure, a lot of attention. It's like, yeah, I, I did it. You don't strike me as the type of person, at least not now, and you're going to, you know, I think you're going to win for a very long time. I think the gap between you and 125 is the biggest gap between any champion and any division in the sport right now. You don't strike me as the type of person that lets the crown of being the queen of the flyweights get to you, the pressure get to you, that you get tired of being the person that everyone's gunning for. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And if so, how do you not let it get to you? How do you not allow it to be too much unbearable to where you're actually relieved one day when you're no longer champion? <laughs> 
you know, I, I think it's very simple and easy, um, uh, like, uh, explain. <laughs> because um, where I started my martial art career, when I grow up, when I was born, it's uh, so far from, uh, for example, here, from United States. People who are born here, they are very lucky because they kind of like having uh, how many, five, six fights in, in entire their career and they can be potentially in UFC already in the biggest promotion of the right, world. Right. <laughs> but for me to like uh, do everything what I did to be here, I had to have long way i have to open the doors for fighters of my country for like people around the world know that kyrgyzstan they are strong fighter like community strong mma community that we have a lot of talents that uh, in kyrgyzstan uh, mma was uh, uh, kind of like st starting to develop in the 90s and in since 90s it has like it, it have uh, we have our like national style mma uh, uh, sport it's called kula too and actually this sport is in um uh, uh, physical university of the country and actually you can go there and uh, have your official like education being a kula two fighter coach or like what uh, what you choose to study so it's like under the government we have mma under the government that's why mma uh, developing in the uh, in kyrgyzstan for a long time already and to uh, be able to say this sto story to told i have to be here <laughs> for people starting to listen right and to come here i have to go not for example just train i have to go all over the world <laughs> to come over here and it was uh, a lot of different things it was not easy it was hard and i have all this experience it's just like teached me that i have to be the person what i am right now and definitely um understand uh what you want from the life how hard it was to get there. I mean, if we are speaking about like being UFC champion, how hard to get into here in this position. And you know, once you are here, you have to hold it. And to hold it good, you have to focus on the real things. You cannot let like the, um, like all this like fame, all these nice words uh, come into your mind, into your like head. Because when it's there, it starts, it, it starts to work again you it's like eating yourself from inside and you kind of like uh, understand it and you work toward it uh, like not letting this like things uh, like truly not to start to believe in it like truly and also the other uh, the best things what I have is people who surrounding me my sister my coach my family like all these the training partners what I have they are just like so good for example when my family uh, sister and coach when they see something different in my behalf like my actions they like okay okay she's oh, starting to, to listen change. wrong words oh, wow. <laughs> so they tell me and they tell me like valentina just like for you let know this is not good what you are doing and i like okay i have to focus me right now so i let it go and i became like i trying to become the same person <laughs> wow so what sometimes they say do they say your head's getting too big 
it's not that how often it's not that often happening because I know how to control yeah. it uh, by myself but it was happening before because de- definitely younger you are yeah. less you understand yeah um, like older you are more experience you have you understand more and that's why you can control actually all your emotion and all your thoughts and everything that you are thinking about when, when, when was the last time they told you hey Valentina you're getting a little too cocky here your head's getting a little too big when was the last time that happened uh, you, you know, it, actually, it, it cannot be like that. Okay. It cannot be exactly these words. But, uh, you know, uh, it's kind of like, um, mm, usually I'm I'm trying to be like very polite, not offending people just uh, on like, um, just because I think this is right, I will say something like rude. And like, I just trying to avoid this because I know the word can hurt more than like action or that anything. And sometimes I just like, uh, um, when I stop to think and just like say something and it's kind of like, I feel, okay, this is kind of like breaking the energy. It's not, not good. It's wrong. Then uh, I realize, for example, they even, uh, wouldn't tell me that, but uh, by their kind of like how they look at me and they, I feel that they don't like it. I kind of understand by myself that that was wrong and I have to come back on the where I was before. <laughs> when was the last time, by the way, that you were in Kyrgyzstan? Um, for several months, I was in 2011. Wow. And for just a little bit, just a ki- kind of like a week, it was 2019. That, so the last time was uh, almost, you know over two years ago. Yes, but it was so short. It was uh, so much action. Like uh, that's I when mean, they, they did a big I, reception for you, right? The big thing with all the fans. A, exactly. Yeah. And I brought you see bells, you see bells to show to my people to show like everyone. That's why it was nonstop action, and I really could not enjoy my country as I uh, wanted. <laughs> that's why I, I would say like it, it doesn't count. <laughs> right. And so that that's the last time you saw your family back there. Yes, it was the last time. Is that hard for you? Of course, yes. It's like, you know, it's um, kind of like, yes, definitely we speak by Skype. We speak yeah. like we can see each other, WhatsApp, whatever. But it doesn't, um, it's not the same when actually you can hug your mom. Of course, <laughs> you of can like just stay with her and it's it's different. I miss, I miss a lot. My family is over there and I hope that um, we were planning, we were planning to go there in 2020. But with all these COVID things, it's kind of like hard to travel that far and I hope it's going to be relieving soon and we could go there. Uh, by the way, just a couple of things left for you. You know, we're seeing a lot of these fighters from MMA go over to boxing and uh, try it out there. Some having success, some not. Anderson Silva is having a lot of success. I feel like you would be, you know, we're not seeing a lot of females go from MMA to boxing. I feel like you would be the one who could do really well in the world of boxing. Does this interest you at all? I don't see a reason why uh, I have to do it. I have like 12 professional uh, boxing fights and I did it. I know exactly what it feels. And it's kind of like, it's um, for me, um, 
being UFC champion, fighting in a mixed martial arts, universal style, when the um, technique is everything. It's like uh, you actually know all kinds of martial arts. You are um, like perfect boxer, you are perfect Muay Thai fighter, taekwondist, you are perfect, perfect grappler, wrestler, you are everything everything in martial arts it's like it's kind of like going to boxing it's a um kind of like you can why not but for me it's a a little bit downgrade okay all right i respect that um i know you don't like to look too far in advance but valentina i'm just looking you know like the rankings after this one there's not a lot left of the people that you haven't fought cynthia calvillo is there she's fighting on drudge but what if she slips up and loses to drudge are, are, is there enough for you at 125 or, you know, are your days at 125 coming to an end? How you, and I know you get asked about Amanda all the time and all this stuff, but there's not a lot going on right now at 125 in terms of new blood. How do you feel about the options for you potentially if all goes well in this fight next Saturday? You know, the interesting thing about 125 is that uh, the, this, is, this category, I think, I think it's growing up faster than any categories. Oh. Uh, I feel 135, it's kind of like, um, I don't see many faces in yeah. 135. I see many faces left 135 to fight 125. Same happening with 115, they are going up. So everyone is going to 125 because it's like, um, uh, I say um, the most comfortable weight class for female fighters. Uh, we are like uh, mostly like this size. Yes. <laughs> not too big, not too small. It's kind of like 115, 125. 135 right now, I feel it's kind of like, mm, just few names and no more like bright fighters like over there all like uh, uh, the old fighters i mean the time t- time wise uh what was there they are still like there but kind of like not much many faces but in 155 every time you see new fighters coming in bringing like um young fighters with this like desire of fight like a lot of like uh, uh, big show expectation and everything and uh, that's why it's uh, I, I think it's every time gonna be uh, people there All every right. time gonna be female fighters there to fight who, right. yeah so you're not worried I'm not worried. No, okay. <laughs> never. I'm never not worried. <laughs> I know. It's amazing. I wish I was the same way. I'm always worried about everything. Um, last thing before I let you go, I saw Habib had some very nice things to say about you when he was in Kyrgyzstan. Can I ask, who does Valentina love to watch fight? Who do you say, oh, male, female, I don't care. Their fight, I'm going out of my way. Because if you respect them, to me, that's like the ultimate compliment because I, I think so highly of you as a fighter. So who do you love to watch on television live in terms of MMA? Any weight class, male, female, doesn't matter. Is there someone that comes to mind? And your sister obviously doesn't count because that's your sister. But outside of your sister. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. fair. Anyone, anyone come to mind? Who do you love watching? Who do you really respect as a fighter? Um, you know, um, in my perspective, it's kind of like hard question. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. because um, when you are uh, so stuck to the name, it's kind of like you are um, mostly acting like a fan, right? Because you are, oh, this name, I have to watch his fight, her fight, like whatever. But uh, when you are a professional fighter, you actually don't um, focus much on the name. You're focused more on the quality of the fight. Because sometimes uh, there's like so many fighters, new fighters in uh, like UFC, UFC or other promotions and uh, they're showing so good fight so bright technique so like excellent tactic and you were like wow this was excellent fight this is so nice to watch so in general my answer is i um not sticking to the names i'm just like about the fight by itself because i really like to watch the art of martial arts no matter who performing it Okay, you weren't going to give it. But yeah. oh, definitely, oh. if you're speaking yes. about fighters, yes, I very like the fighters, like universal fighters who can do like everything, who can do um, like striking, grappling. I think the, yeah, like for example, Kamarosman, he's a, a bright example of it. Uh, Israel, John Jones, yeah, like who else? Um, um, uh, fighters who has a lot of like character, charisma, Jorge Masvidal, same like Nick Diaz, he's fighting on the same card. So it's kind of like, um, it's you cannot just say uh, fighter because his fight style. Because when you're uh, choosing your favorite fighter, you like uh, his charisma or her charisma. And this is like combination of everything. How everyone, every people can uh, bring up uh, the fight style plus their style of being, uh, acting, or like what they are doing uh, before the fight, in the fight, after the fight. So it's like very good combination of everything. Well, I, I mean, you and Nick Diaz fighting on the same card, I feel like you're the type of fighter, Valentina, that we will appreciate more um, when you are gone because of your dominance. Because, no! <laughs> no, when, in many years. Well, eventually you're going to go on to become a, a full-time spy, I would imagine. So you're going to have to leave the sport eventually. So a full-time, full-time actor, maybe. Actor. My spy. Tyson doesn't get paid that much. That's a good point. That's a good point. Are you going to go into acting? Is that Because you're in the Halle Berry movie, right? That's coming out? And here it's... If you're expecting so much, I'm expecting very excited about the premiere. It's going to be November 25, uh, November 25 or 15. Yeah, it's going to be November for sure. Yeah, okay. so very excited. For and do you it. speak in it? Do you talk in the movie or are you just fighting? I have, to, I, I talk. Yes, I talk and fight. Oh my gosh, I can't wait for that. Uh, yes, that is in November. Uh, for now though, next Saturday, September 25th, UFC 266, the return of Valentina Shevchenko against Lauren Murphy. Always a pleasure, Valentina. Thank you so much for the time and good luck to you next Saturday night. Thank you so much, Ariel. Every time, pleasure to speak with you. Bye. All right. (laughs) Bye-bye. There she is, the one and only Valentina Shevchenko, one of the best fighters on the planet. Uh, Always love picking her brain. A different kind of character, if you will. Uh, Very, very pure, very honest with her assessment of martial arts and when you feel someone breaking, I mean, it's all just, it's very raw. It's very authentic. So uh, one of the best fighters, in my opinion. And when you look at that, you know, that flyweight division right now, if you look at the UFC rankings, uh, currently Jessica Andrade is, is, is number one. Uh, 
She beat her last time. Caitlin Drukagan, she beat last year. Lauren Murphy, she's fighting. Jennifer Maya, she beat in November. Calvillo's number five. One suspects if Calvillo beats Andrade on the same card, she will get the title shot. Calderwood has been out there for a long time. Unfortunately, she uh, she slipped against Murphy. Um, but you suspect that uh, you know if she could get back on track. She has a huge fight coming up. I would say this. It's probably going to be Calvillo if she wins. Then there's Calderwood against um, Alexa Grasso in November, which I think is a really interesting fight. And I think Grasso, who currently is number 10, could be someone that uh, that they could look at, even though she's number 10. That would be a big jump up. Calderwood, six. Fresh blood. Grasso's coming into her own. Um, very good striker. So there are options out there. I don't want to be too negative, Nancy, here. Uh, but that's you know the byproduct of being a super dominant champion. Uh, you don't have a lot of options out there for you. So that's UFC 266. Uh, then we get uh, 267. That's the one October 30th that's going to be in Abu Dhabi with the two title fights, Jan Bohovic and um, Glover Teixeira, who we spoke to on Monday. Also, Aljamain Sterling versus Peter Jan too. And then the following week, it's one of the best cards of the year. It's UFC 268 uh, here in New York City at the Mecca, Madison Square Garden, headlined by Kamar Usman versus Colby Covington 2 for the welterweight title and Rose Namajunas versus Zhang Weili. But the big fight that I feel like everyone is excited about because we've just never seen these two guys fight each other and they were once you know, champions in different uh, promotions, same weight class, uh, World Series of Fighting, Bellator, Justin Gaethje, who's allergic to boring fights, and our next guest, Michael Chandler, who's kind enough to join us. So let us say hello for another time to one Michael Chandler, who is here, our final guest of the day. We have saved the best for last. Michael, how are you? Good, man. Main event spot. Thanks, bro. How about that? How about that? Uh, Great to talk to you, Michael, and I hope everything is going well. Haven't talked to you since before uh, the Houston fight, before the fight against Charles Oliveira. And, uh, you know, you seem to be in great spirits. you got this big fight. All attention is on it. Uh, And I really respected the way in which you handled that. You know, sometimes someone loses a big fight, a title fight, and you don't hear from them for three, four months. And that's fine. I don't think anyone begrudges them. And then other times you get someone like yourself who, like, shows up the following week and, you know, just kind of lets their emotions out, wears their heart on their sleeve, and just talks about, why did you feel the need to do that and not kind of go away? Man, uh, well, number one, thank you. I appreciate that. But I mean, it's it's it was my route. It's what makes me feel the most comfortable. But that's only because I've made the mistake in the past. You know, I was just to give you, you know, lay the groundwork for the people who hadn't followed me. I shot out of a cannon in 2009 and within 18 months beat Eddie Alvarez for the Bellator lightweight title, became the number three, number five guy in the world. So I got shot out like a rocket and then won a couple more fights. I lost that first fight to Eddie. Um and after that first fight, I wanted to hide from the media. I got, I got, you know, it was a fight of the year candidate. I got asked to present an award at the world MMA awards or go there and, you know, possibly receive the award. And I wanted to hide from everybody. I wanted to hide from the media. I wanted to hide from you. I wanted to hide from training partners and everybody because I was embarrassed of the loss. And it was that it was through learning from that, this maturation process, realizing that every single person that I look up to or have or do look up to now, they have at one point or another lost or been a loser or fallen short, you know, and it was through that maturation process that I realized the best way for me personally 
to move forward is to get right back on the horse. You know, I, I did a podcast on Monday with, um, or actually on Monday, I broke down my fight frame by frame with MMA on point on YouTube. And then I did on Tuesday, I did busting with the boys and I reached out to Will Compton, who was the host of busting with the boys. Cause he didn't reach back out to, he didn't reach out to me. Cause that's what happens after these losses. A lot of people are afraid of what you're going through inside your own head. So they don't reach out to you. Mm-hmm. And I said, I texted Will, I said, Hey man, I'll see you on Tuesday. He's like, you sure you want to come back on? And I said, of course, man, this, this life and this journey and this fight game isn't predicated on wins and losses. It's about the journey and the journey is part of the process. So, um, for me, the best way to to get over it is to rip that bandaid off, put my face back out there, get my voice out there and and show people that failure is an event, not a person. Failure for me was May 15th, but Michael Chandler is not a failure as a whole. So I fell short, got knocked out by Charles Oliveira, you know, um, did some soul searching, spent a lot, spent a lot of time with my family over the last couple of months. And man, I'm just, and I'm happy to be back under, under the roof at Sanford MMA training with my guys, training with my coaches and can't wait for November 6th. Can I ask you what that soul searching was like? I mean, you know, on the surface here publicly, you seem to have it all together. You say all the right things. So well put, um, everything is just very concise and uh, well thought out, but like deep, like when the doors are closed and it's just you and your wife and like, what, what are those moments like, especially right after the fight? Did you, you know, how did, how did you, how did you break it all down? How did you feel? How did you react? How did you digest the loss? Man, pain, crying, you know, falling short, embarrassment, less than, you know, that, that small voice inside my head that has always told me that I'm a small guy from a small town who was taught to do small things. Cause that's what I was, that's what I was raised up into. That's what, that's, that's the people that I was around. I came, I came from a, a community where not a lot of people believed that they could go outside those County lines and go accomplish crazy, audacious, big things. And I still, that little guy from that little town is still in here. You know, I've just gotten really good at duct taping him to the basement of my mind and put a roll of duct tape around his mouth. Um, but man, he creeps back up. He creeps back up often. Um, and he definitely crept back up right after May 15th on May 15th. I stayed up till four in the morning that night. My my wife is sleeping next to me and I was laying in my hotel room. I was up till four or five in the morning. Didn't even barely sleep. I was just tossing and turning and just, it was hard, but this is why we do what we do. This is why the fans love this sport because they see what we go through inside of an octagon, inside of a cage, inside of a circle, and inside of these competitions. And it's the physical manifestation of all the different fights that people are going through. And that's why people love this sport. And that's why it's, it's incumbent upon us as athletes, as fighters, to show that you will fall short, you will fail, you will get kicked right in the teeth, you will get beaten down. But the way you pull yourself back up is what champions are made of. There's a reason why Rocky, the Rocky franchise, is one of the most successful movie franchises of all time. It wasn't because Rocky always won. It's because Rocky always came back with complete disregard to previous setbacks and future opposition. And that's what, that's what I've done. And man, it was, it was, uh, it was sad. You know, I just wanted to sit around and eat, eat ice cream and, and not work out, but I didn't, you know, um, I didn't want to slack off as a husband, didn't want to slack off as a father, didn't want to slack off as a man. I wanted to continue this journey, realizing that yes, even though I failed, I am not a failure. And that's the hardest part when you're surrounded by your four walls at your house. That's when that doubt creeps in. And that's what I did back in the day, 2012, 13, whenever I lost those fights, I just wanted to be in my house, in my small little circle, in my small little bubble. 
But this time I wanted to get out right away. And that's why I wanted to be in the media. I wanted to be on the cameras. I wanted to have my voice be heard because that was selfishly for me, able, my way of getting over it, you know? So, um, it was ups and downs for, for months at a time, but man, I, I, uh, I made, I made peace with it and it was an awesome opportunity that I got. And now I have an even bigger opportunity to come back from that loss. And the, the setback is just a, a springboard for the comeback. How many times have you watched the fight? Man, I've only watched the full fight probably twice. I mean, I've seen little highlights. I mean, more than anything, just me getting caught, me coming in with that hard body shot, cu- pu- pulling out of the pocket, unprotected with my hand down, watching that boom, left hook just hit me. Um, and it, it's those things that you need you need to go back and watch and see, but also not harp on because I also don't want to put that back in my mind and and harp on it too much. And now you know we've made the we've made the requisite. Um, the, we've taken the requisite steps to change those things, get a little bit better. If you're going to fight Justin Gaethje, you better have good defense. So we're working on defense, we're working on everything, and uh, it's maybe better as a, as a as a fighter. And um, I believe we're going to see that on, on November sixth. Um, I'm no Michael Chandler. One thing that I'd love to change about myself is I find that I harp on things that happened in the past that I have no control over anymore. They happen, but I harp. Oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. I should. I should. And I harp on it. I lament. I lament. I harp. And there's nothing. It 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 does nothing. There's nothing productive. And so I I wonder. You shake your head. So I guess you're not the same type of guy. I feel like you're not the same type of guy. Like that first round. Do you do you, do you, do you harp on it a lot? I was that close. I could have. I, I was literally seconds away from winning that title. Or is it just not even a thought? You're over it. You don't even think about that. No, I shake my head because I, I do the same exact thing. Okay. You know, anybody who's trying to accomplish anything great has a tendency to harp on, harp on the things that they've done wrong, harp on the failures that they've had and harp on the view, whether it's realistic or unrealistic of other people of them and our failures, you know? Yeah. I mean, the heart, I think one of the greatest things about that fight on May 15th was, yeah, I was this close and that's eyelash, maybe one punch away. Maybe if it was a different referee, maybe that referee would have stepped in. I was so close to winning the UFC title. So that's one of the, one of the things that has, you know, solidified me as, as one of the top guys and um, earned my right in this UFC lightweight division. But yeah, the scare, the saddest thing is that, man, I was that close, you know? So it's just the nature of the sport. You can't, you can't enjoy the spoils and the fruits of your labor and the platform and the notoriety that we get and, and, and the money that we make and the bright lights that we get to fight under and compete under without also taking in stride the bad things that are going to come from this sport, the pain, the tears, the embarrassment, the, the physical and the emotional pain. You know, you have to, you have to realize that this sport is going to do so many things to you. Sometimes you think it's completely fair. Sometimes you think it's unfair, but either way you have to move forward. And, and just going back to that, to you, I shake my head because I think that's just one of the biggest problems with society or just the human nature. We are, we are conditioned to, instead of look forward to us becoming a better version of ourselves, we are held by, back by those limiting beliefs of the failures of our past. So I think it's, I think it's a trait that a lot of successful people um, all all have in common. But it's also the most successful people that you've ever been around. Those people that are just you just wonder how in the heck is that guy or that gal so confident? And they had these failures and they had these setbacks, or they suffered bankruptcy, or they lost their business, or they lost this relationship. Yet they were able to come back because they were able to overcome the 
just the negative self-talk and the negative self-reminders every single day of those times that they failed. And I guarantee every single person that has listened to this right now has, has suffered from that. Um, but it's only by the constant and never ending belief of continuing to move forward, accepting them and showing yourself grace. You know, I think we show so many people around us grace that we, and we forgive them for the things that they have done, or we forgive them for the, for the way that they are yet. We don't do the exact same thing for ourselves. And I am, I have fallen victim to it. You know, admittingly, I did a lot after this last fight, I wasn't showing myself grace. And I just wanted to say, yeah, maybe, maybe they were right. Maybe you were a flash in the pan. Maybe you're too old. Maybe you're too slow. Maybe you're not good enough. Maybe you, maybe, maybe you are just the Bellator guy. Maybe you are just the, you know, the, the, uh, second stringer, you know? So the, all of those thoughts I had and, uh, all those thoughts are gone now. And November 6th, we continue, continue to move forward towards getting back to the UFC title. Who helps you get over those thoughts? Is it, do you, do you have someone that you go to? Is it just yourself? How does that happen? Man. So the good thing is I do have the, I do have the luxury of having a, a past that I, that I was able to learn from. So right. a lot of it, a lot of it really is just going back to the journals that I wrote back in 2013, oh. going back to the interviews that I was doing back then, or the new interviews that I've done since I signed with the UFC, which has been less than one year at this point. And, and hearing the things that I was saying and reminding myself that I was put on this earth for great things, but I do have, man, I got such an amazing wife. Uh, we have spent a ton of time together. We got over it by, by not ignoring it, but by trying to push it to the side and just try to be a normal person as well. You know, not only did I lose this title fight, but I also needed a break because I was in training camp essentially since March of 2020 when the pandemic hit and I wasn't sure when the Benson Henderson fight was going to happen. I just had to stay in camp and stay ready because, because the call could have came, Hey, you're fighting in three weeks because of the pandemic right. that never happened. I ended up fighting in August and then signed with the UFC in September and then October and then January and May. And then all of this stuff has yeah. happened. So I was, I was, I had beat my body down so much over 16 months that I needed a break anyway. So I think pulling myself away from the sport, um, still being in it and watching, watching it and being a fan of it, but pulling myself away from the, the MMA gym scene that I had been in nonstop 365 days for a year and then another extra six months, um, I need to pull myself away. And I just have, I have a great small group of people that I've, that have been around me since literally day one. Um, so seek wise counsel, um, pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on you. And that's really what I've been doing since, uh, day one, since I was 13 years old, 14 years old, started wrestling. By the way, the career is not coming to an end anytime soon, but whenever it does come to an end, you're going to go into motivational speaking, right? Like, I, I just feel like this is inevitable, correct? I don't know, man. I mean, I, w- I would love that. That's definitely, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, be a self-proclaimed speaker. I'm, I'm just, I am who I am. It's, and it's funny too, you know, I was, uh, I was watching your, sh- your show earlier, obviously getting prepared for this, seeing all the comments and stuff. And then Watched a couple other things of Justin Gaethje, the thing between me and Justin Gaethje, because I wanted to see what he was saying. If you want to be interesting, you have to be interested, and I'm yeah. interested in the sport. So, but, you know, it's just funny when people say, man, he just seems like he talks too much, or he talks like this, or he talks like that, or he's just a little too polished. I like my guys a little rough around the edges, or he seems fake. But the funny thing is, I am just exactly who I am. This is me being my authentic self. And you would probably, you would probably know this because the first time you interviewed me was probably 2011 yeah. and I probably sounded very similar. This is just who I am, but, um, I do have some opportunities to speak. Um, I might be speaking at a, a big conference in, in February. I'm definitely speaking at a conference in December. Um, 
man, if, if people, you know, reach out to me and, and want to hear my story and if, if people can get a little bit of motivation from the guy who has literally been fighting uh, hand-to-hand combat for, since he was 14 years old, been beat down a couple times, pulled myself back up. I think that's a story that resonates with a lot of people. And I would love to inspire and motivate people all around the globe. And, and the UFC has given me an opportunity to do that. So the debut was great. One of the all-time best debuts, even your entrance, like you were to steal a pro wrestling line, the baby face. I mean, the baby face of all, you got Ric Flair putting you over all this stuff. You get the touch. Everyone's mad. He's getting the touch shot, but everyone kind of is happy for you as well, Tasha. And then it was a bit of a, a bit of a heel turn. And I'm not, I'm not the, uh, I'm not the political guy. I don't care. I don't care what you do, what you believe. I don't, I don't care as long as it's not offensive to anyone and you're not that guy. But then it got a little weird with the, you know, the vaccine and this, and people were giving you a lot of heat on Twitter for this. How did you react to all of that? I mean, you're just saying your opinion, your feeling, you're allowed to do what you want. Everyone has their own stance on it. That's cool. But like you, I saw you getting some major heat for this. How did you react to that? Yeah, well, one thing that, you know, obviously you have followed the sport for a very long time. Um, When you go to the UFC, the platform, the platform and the eyeballs that are on you is much, much, much bigger. My growth of my platform has just been, has grown exponentially. So it gave me the opportunity and it also gave me the permission to realize that, man, I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea. A lot of people are not going to like me. And I'm, and I'm a, you know, a people pleaser by nature. I have to try to fight that uh, every single day to try to become who I, who the man that, that I'm called to be, because if you try to please everybody, you're at the end, you're going to please nobody. Um, but yeah, no, the funny thing about the vaccination thing was I didn't come out I didn't do one story, tell people about it, uh, about the vaccine. I didn't get on your show and start talking about the vaccine. I was in a private Instagram live session with a couple thousand people or whatever it was. Five minutes after I hit end live, a, um, it was MMA junkie or it was one of the, one of the MMA media outlets came out that said Chandler, you know, isn't getting vaxxed or, and then I became, I got labeled an anti-vaxxer. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I don't personally have the vaccine right now. I don't know if I ever will get the vaccine. Um, personally, I just I just believe that we live in the greatest country on the planet. I believe that we this is the greatest country on the planet because of our individual liberties and our individual choices, especially when it comes to our bodies and our, our medical history and our health. So um, that's where I stand on it. And I don't, it wasn't a heel turn whatsoever. It was just the people who labeled me an anti-vaxxer obviously thought I was a heel when really I'm just... I was just answering a question because everybody said, hey, is it going to be Madison Square Garden? That was right after the mandates came out about Madison Square Garden and everybody needed to be vaccinated and whatnot. So I gave, I kind of gave that information out there and said, I won't be vaccinated by November 6th, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, and by the way, just for the record, I'm not calling people who don't take the vaccine heels. I just want to uh, make that yeah. very clear. I just no, mean like sure. it was so much positive press, so much love, so much love, and then all of a sudden, you know, people turn on you and that's just the way the internet is. Um, my understanding is... To attend the event, you have to be fully vaccinated per New York state laws, but the athletes are exempt from that. So you can, you cannot. Same with the NBA players that are playing there, the NHL players, the Knicks, the Rangers. Is that your understanding as well? That's my understanding. Yeah. Okay. So uh, it won't be an issue. Basically, for anyone who's worried that this fight won't happen, they keep saying, oh, you better. It, you're an, I'm sure the UFC has told you this won't be an issue, correct? Yes, that is that is what I've heard. So everything, all where all systems go for Madison Square Garden, November sixth. Um, obviously, it's just it's become a it's become a, a world right now where a lot of things are up in the air. 
you know, you never quite know. You, you never know if you're fighting at Madison Square Garden until you're there. Mm-hmm. The event starts and they call your name and you're walking to the octagon, you know. So um, that's the state of the world that we live in. So as of right now, all systems go. And I couldn't be happier to fight at Madison Square Garden, man. Under the UFC banner, it's going to be a huge, huge show and uh, a phenomenal card that they put together. I want to ask you about MSG in particular in a second, but what about, you said you did your research, so you probably know. What about Gaethje saying you were just looking for some attention by these comments? <laughs> yeah, no, and see, and this is where, the, if I had hopped on and done a media tour about how every, right. the, how I'm not taking right. the vaccine, or I was telling everybody the vaccine was, was garbage or something, um, of course, that would be me seeking attention. I was in a private Instagram live on my on my own IG live with my followers and a couple thousand people that were asking questions about it. Um, and then the article broke and came out. You know, so that was that was the funny thing too, where everybody, which which that's completely fine. It's a, it's a hot button issue. It's a hot topic right now. People are 100% against it. People are 100% for it. And then there's a lot of people in between that don't know what to think. So it's a, it's just a huge, it's a huge issue on a world stage. So um, if I had done that, yes, I would be 100% okay with Justin Gaethje saying I was seeking attention. But the fact that it was on an Instagram live and a, and a, and a media outlet picked, picked up my words and put them out there, that shows you right there that it was a private, no different than me and you having a private conversation at a restaurant and someone overhearing it right. and then ask, acting like, Hey, since I have this huge platform, I shouldn't be talking about it. Well, wait a second. I was talking about it basically in a private forum. So, okay. Um, I believe you, I mean, not, I believe, I know you haven't fought at MSG since the brand premise fight. Have you ever been yep. in MSG since the brand premise fight? Not, not since no, I haven't. I think I was at the I was at the where, where the Brooklyn uh, Barclays, Barclays the Barclays. Yeah, I was there. Um, no, I haven't been at MSG since then. What is that like? I, that was a, that was a huge deal, a huge card for Bellator, a huge fight for you. It ends in heartbreak. I remember you actually came in studio the Monday after you were you hobbled yeah. in here. I remember that vividly, right here, right in front of me. Um, yeah. What like in your mind is this writing that wrong, exercising that? De- How do you feel about going back there after you know you experienced that heartbreak there a few years ago? Yeah, see, that's that's the thing about the heartbreak and the you know the way in which that fight ended. I mean, I I, I should have and would have won that fight, I believe. And it's it's, but it, it goes back to you can't enjoy the spoils and the fruits of your of the victories and the great things that the sport brings about without also accepting those horrible things that happen, like like that fight. Um, so I've made peace with that more than anything. I'm excited that this time I fight at Madison Square Garden. It's under the UFC banner, which the UFC show is going to be much bigger. The card that they put together is going to have millions and millions of eyeballs on it. So much bigger than the last time that I fought there. So, you know, the feelings are the same. The thoughts are the same. Warming up in the same locker rooms that Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield and all in Muhammad Ali and all these guys, the, the icons of combat sports have warmed up in the halls that, that, that they walked, the walkouts where they walked out. It's, it's a, it's the world's most, most iconic arena for a reason. And, and it's because of the people that have fought there. So I would say too, when you get into the sport, you want the biggest fights possible against the biggest names at the biggest venues. And Madison square garden is the epitome of the biggest venue that you can fight in mixed martial arts. So in order to get or to have the opportunity to fight there again, is going to be awesome. Uh, the opponent is right. The night is right. The, the date is right. So it's going to be uh man, it's going to be fireworks. It's going to be fun. And I can't wait to get there. Yeah, what a tremendous fight. Uh, by the way, speaking of Holyfield, you were at that Triller card on Saturday. How crazy was. was that? What a scene that was, right? You got the former president there. You got Holyfield, 58 years old, Vitor going crazy, Anderson. What was it like actually being there? 
it was cool. I mean, it's, it's, it's combat sports, you know, that yeah. actually when I was down on the floor, um, before I went upstairs, when I was down on the floor, it was, it was a lot of the really, I don't want to say legitimate fights. You know, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not here to, to, yeah. to, you know, pee in anyone's coffee, but obviously before the, before the main event and the co-main event, I, I had went upstairs or for the main event and co-main event, I was upstairs, but down when I was down on the floor, there was some really good, you know, some good boxing happening, you know, some legit, some legit fighters and some fun, entertaining fights. Um, yeah, I mean to see Holyfield get hit that hard and and fall, you know, Tito getting getting knocked out cold, which we haven't really seen much, I don't think. You know, I talked to him after and he was like, I've never felt anything like that before. Um, you know, so um, but they put on a good event. You know, there was there was some some music, as Triller always does. I'm I'm happy it was a little bit more uh less R-rated than the first trailer fight with, uh, you know, Jake and Ben. Cause when I watched that on TV, I was like, goodness gracious, man, yeah. we don't, we don't need this, but they're allowed to do and make their own shows. And they're, they are, they see their lane and they're, and they're going in it and you can't fault them for doing that, but it was good to be there live. It was fun. Um, it was an enjoyable night and uh, I'm glad I went. Any, uh, you know, good convo with the former president or was it just quick photo uh, op? Uh, it was not good combo. I mean, obviously he's, uh, extremely busy. Yeah. No, he, uh, he shook my hand. He goes, I know how you, I know who you are. You're a one tough guy. Get in here. So we like took a picture together or whatnot. Um, that was pretty much the extent of it. Um, he's not, not the kind of guy who has a, a lot of discretionary time to be right. hanging out and right, right, right. take a picture. Just shooting so. the breeze. By the way, is this a left ear? Is this more, is this more cauliflower than usual? That one. <laughs> hundred percent. Yeah. The left one, I, uh, I will always have cauliflower ear, uh, the rest of my life. I'm not going to get them surgically removed, but I am going to get this back one here on my left surgically removed a little bit. So my ear doesn't stick out so much Damn. more than anything. I wish I could do it now because all this thing does is get caught on people's hips and get caught in shirts and it gets almost ripped off almost every single time I grapple. Um, and it sticks out. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not swollen. It's not any more swollen, but I've just progressively gotten more and more cauliflower ear inside. Does it there, hurt when you do that? No, no, man. This, these things are rock hard, man. Yeah, that is wild. The best, the best is when people, the, the best joke for all, if any fighters are listening right now, if you're a young fighter, you want to win over some people, make them laugh. Be like, man, look at that cauliflower. That's from, that's from wrestling, right? Or that's from G, BJJ, right? Yeah. Be like, man, can you hear out of it? You say, what? Uh, say, can you hear out of it? What? That's the best joke. Best what about joke cleaning it? What? What about cleaning it? Yeah, cleaning it is rough. I mean, even today I was grappling in, in the, the sweat. God designed our ears for optimal hearing and optimal different things. And we went and went ahead and beat our head up against each other's you know, heads for the last decade. And we kind of jacked them up. So sweat gets in there. Um, I actually got a... Um, a really cool solution that's got a, like some alcohol in it. And instead of Q-tipping it, you know, that's one of the biggest things I used to get a lot of ear infections in here because I was Q-tipping it. Um, but now I just kind of do a couple drops in there. You can hear it fizzing and, and kind of soaking up all the, uh, soaking up and, wow. um, getting rid of all the, the sweat or, or, uh, my sweat or other, other right, teammates right. sweat and, uh, not too many problems these days. Luckily. Two last quick things. Uh, Poria Oliveira, who wins? I think Dustin Poirier. I think Dustin. Poirier. I think they're both complete fighters. I think. I think Oliveira has shown over his last couple of fights, especially the fight against me. Um, his hands have come along. He is. He is basic, and uh, he hits hard. You know, he hits hits harder than we think. His grappling has obviously always been on point, but I just think Dustin Poirier is a little bit better in every area. 
I think Dustin Poirier's cardio, I think Dustin Poirier's ability to get him hurt and, and finish the fight. Uh, like I wasn't able to do, um, is, is, is second to none. I think Dustin Poirier wins that fight by uh, third or fourth round stoppage. Okay. And that's good for you, right? You fight Gaethje, you win fresh guy, right? Man, it's all, it's all good for me. The, the crazy thing is, yeah, I mean, you talk about my title shot and, and a lot of people, a lot of people said I didn't deserve it. I didn't say I necessarily did or did not deserve it. I just came in and said yes to every opportunity and I was rewarded. And I was also the beneficiary of some crazy circumstances with Khabib uh, retiring uh, Poirier and Connor being tied up in the trilogy and Justin Gaethje, I think was kind of in the middle of a contract negotiation. He just came out mm-hmm. saying he got a new contract. So there was some stuff going on there where I, I, you know, I've said Justin Gaethje's name no less than a dozen times in the media. Um, and my managers have said his name a thousand times. So that was a fight that we wanted. That's a fight that the fans want to see. So it's, uh, man, it's been fun. It's been crazy. And I think, I think no matter what the lightweight division is still the most exciting division in the UFC. So Gaethje now, Poirier, Oliveira later. Um, obviously, you got guys surging coming down toward the top three. Uh, Connor's coming back eventually. So, you know, there's there's some exciting fights, and I'm, I'm glad to be a lightweight. And you always say, uh, not here for a long time. You're here for a good time. Uh, <laughs> you think you think uh, Gaethje is a long time type of fight? You, you envisioning 15 minutes, or do you think it's the kind of car crash, violent fight that you guys are talking about that ends relatively quickly because you both hit so hard? I think you always prepare for a long drawn out war. I think you always prepare for a, a guy that you just can't finish a guy that just continues to come forward with everything you hit him, hit him with. Um, and Justin Gaethje is that if, if, uh, if, if you're kidding yourself, if you don't think just or Justin Gaethje is, is not just violent and not just, not just skilled, but man, he, he the dude has cardio and heart and drove. So I'm preparing for 15 hard, hard minutes uh, the hardest fight of my life, but I think, um, you know, best case scenario, I land one pretty darn hard on his temple or his chin and, and put him out. Um, but that's what every fighter wants. You want the knockout, you want the quick, easy paycheck, of course, but you got to be ready for that 15 minute war. If I had to guess, I think if there's a finish, it's happening later on second or third round. Um, cause I think both of us are just not going to get hit with anything too crazy clean, um, in order to get finished. But, um, that's what I'm preparing for. We'll see. Man, what a freaking fight. Great job by the UFC putting that together. Great job by you, Mike. And also, great job on the broadcast. I see you at the desk doing your thing. Uh, I feel like that's going to be another you know, lane for you as well. So a lot of uh, opportunities coming up but for that now. Was, by the way, that was something, too, that I had to reach out. Because obviously, you lose the title fight. And yeah. Media wasn't going to reach out to me. I needed so I would actually reach out to people and say, "Hey," and this was all selfish, selfish too. Like I know I need to get back on the horse, and I actually reached out to the UFC uh, Zach Candido and said, "Hey, just so you know, you know, I'm of course I took an L and I'm licking my wounds, but man, I'm, I'm I still have my work boots on. If you wanna, you know, if you want, if you need me and you want me to do any of these shows, so that's that's what people don't understand too. That's the beauty of this Dana White privilege thing is that people say, "Man, well, he, everything was handed to him." When really, I'm asking for it and I'm working for it and I show up with my work boots on and I put my best foot, my best foot forward and he who doesn't ask will never get. So I just ask and I work and that was part of it. And obviously I'm going to put that on the back burner until at least November 6th. And then uh, I'd love to be on the broadcast here in the near future by the end of the year. I love the mentality. Uh, I won't bring up the fact that, you know, you reach out to all these people. You didn't reach out to me to speak. So <laughs> I'm a little bit offended by that. Maybe I didn't reach out to that. I didn't reach out to that many people. Uh, I, mean, I actually, I actually didn't really didn't reach out. 
but I think it was the good thing was like obviously MMA on point is a the yeah. YouTube channel that's really in in Nashville. Yeah. And we had done some videos together and I was already scheduled with busting with the boys. But even just ripping off that band-aid, people would see, okay, well shoot, he's taking interviews. So no, for sure, really man. it was you it was really it was you who should have reached out after you ah, saw that. <laughs> it's on me. It's my fault. All right. Well, I'll reach out to you for uh November eighth. I'm booking you right now, November eighth, win, lose, or draw the Monday after that fight. I can't wait for it. Great stuff, Mike. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Thanks, Thanks, Ariel. All right, there he is, the one and only Iron Mike Chandler, returning November 6th, Madison Square Garden. That's going to be a great one. MSG, hopefully, you know, the world continues. I was at MSG this uh, past Friday for the WWE event. Full arena. Everyone said, oh, no one's going to show up. You got to be fully vaccinated. I had to show, I am fully vaccinated. I had to show my card, my kids, for those wondering. I don't think a lot of young kids are going, but they're under 12. So we had to get them tested beforehand. It's just the way it is. It's the way the the world uh, is. And uh, you got to deal with it. But I, I saw a lot of people saying, oh, they're going to have a bad crowd. In the end, uh, they ended up having their biggest gate ever for a SmackDown show I reported on Saturday morning. And I suspect UFC is going to have the same thing. There's There's enough people here who are... Um, willing to go through that and who have already gone through that um, who are going to be able to attend the event. So I don't think it's going to hurt the gate. I don't think it's going to hurt ticket sales or anything like that. All right. A great, uh, a great bunch of guests. But there is one segment left. Everyone's favorite segment of the week. You know it. I know it. We all love it. It's On the Nose, where I answer your questions that you have left for me on my Substack page, arielhawani.substack.com. Hit the music, daddy-o. On the nose, yes, on the nose. Uh, hope you got your questions in. I will be answering them momentarily. Let me just let people know. Uh, yeah, I got to do this all on my own. Got to let the masses know that, uh, you know, usually the rumor is during this segment, Hiawani, you know, tends to creep out. I hope you got your shirts uh, and you are rocking them. I hear. Um, uh, I hear that uh, there's a lot of uh, interest in them. I hear they're flying off the shelves. If that's a thing, selling like hotcakes. I never really knew where that term came from. Selling like hotcakes. You know, what are hotcakes and where are they selling? Oh, my eyes are hurting me. Okay, let's answer some questions. For goodness' sake, I got to fast soon. I got to start my fast. And typically, you have to eat a lot of food. Uh, before the fast. And I don't know what I'm going to eat. I'm just going to be, you know, lamenting the fact that I didn't get enough time to eat and all that stuff. Yada, yada, yada. Let's, I take off the glasses and now I have to start reading things. Uh, it's a whole mess of a situation. Okay, let me put the thing. Oh, now Frank's going to be mad at me because I hit the mic. All kinds of problems. All right, let's go here. Um, question time. From Chris. Happy Wednesday, Ariel. If Team Trevor Whitman, Usman, Namajunas Gaethje sweeps at UFC 268, November 6th, does that pretty much make Trevor a lock for Coach of the Year? Yeah, man. I mean, he was my Coach of the Year last year. Um, 
trying to think. Eric Nixick has had a great year. Henry Hooft has had a great year. Oh, my. Who else? Um, those are probably the leaders. Oh, Habib has had a great year, uh, along with Javier Mendez. Uh, is there anyone else? Yeah, but I mean, yeah. What, what Unbelievable to have a coach. Main event, co-main, tri-main. Maybe that's happened before once or twice, but I don't know if on a stage like this. So, yeah, if he sweeps that, Chris, I would say very good chance. Coach of the year. Back-to-back. Uh, Dallas, New York. Hey, Ariel. Really love the additions of the pre- and post-fight shows uh, that you're doing. Thank you. More content is great for all MMA fans. My question, <laughs> is it just me or does Chuck Mendenhall sound exactly like Luke Thomas? I've been listening to the audio as opposed to watching, and every so often I catch myself thinking this. No. I don't think you're right at all about that. Uh, they're both great, but no. I can't say I agree. Uh, Spencer. And by the way, I don't read these beforehand. I just want to let you know. Uh, do you feel that you don't get enough credit for your comedic side? Wow. What a preface to a statement that I had. I This is from Spencer Labute. I honestly think you have one of the best, most dry and underrated senses of humor slash timing in the MMA world and beyond. Wow. Here to give you credit for that. Thanks for everything, Ariel. No question. Just a nice comment from Spencer. I like to think I'm pretty funny, but it's it's a subtle humor that I possess. It's not, you know, I'm not one, I'm not a Jim Carrey type of comic in that, you know, it's a lot of aggression, aggressive uh, you know, moves and 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 trying to make, you know, jokes based on like fall. You know, it's it's subtle. It's very subtle. Uh, it's from, you know, the Jerry Seinfeld slash Larry David school of comedy. Do want to give a shout out to the late, great Norm MacDonald, uh, who we found out passed away yesterday. 61 was battling cancer for nine years. Who knew what a legend, Canadian legend, comedic legend was very sad to hear that. So anyway, Spencer, thank you for that. I, it's nice to get noticed from time to time. Um, Nick, do you hate the timing as much as I do for Brady Kiesa. Brady hasn't fought anyone close to Kiesa's level, and he's coming back from an injury. Kiesa was on a title run before the Luke loss. Why fight these two? Brady's going to be great, but not the fight to make right now. Well, Brady was supposed to fight Kevin Lee, so, you know, that's a big name. Kiesa was on a roll. I don't hate it. Sink or swim for Brady. I think it's a big opportunity for him. Kiesa looking to get back on track after the loss to Vicente Luque, so... No, I don't hate it. These are the kinds of matchups you get in the UFC. There's not a lot of tune-up fights. There's not a lot of, you know, hey, let's build this guy up. I like it. Intriguing. Great story. Can Kiesa get back on track? Can Brady continue his ways? Get a big name on his resume? Take that next step? The more I talk about it, the more I like it. Um, Don Black, what's your favorite cream cheese? Wow, what a great question. Um, I really like cream cheese with some locks in it. Either like the actual lox that you put, you know, like smoked salmon or mixed in. I like it with olives as well, but I'm a, you know, I don't like it too thick. I don't like it too whipped as well. Too whipped is not great for me um, and not too thick as well. I don't like the low fat one. Like you're already having cream cheese for goodness sake. You really need low fat of something that's very fatty. Uh, by the way, in case you're wondering, I usually break my fast with a nice little, you know, bagel and cream cheese, some smoked salmon. Um, so yeah, those are the ones. There's a, a couple local places that I like. Tempty, I think, is one. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of cream cheese. In fact, I, I, I make my kids lunch uh, every day. And if I'm being honest, I, it's, 
like two or three times cream cheese and bagel every week. I, I need to probably switch it up a little bit. Uh, it's just so easy, right? So it tastes good. It tastes good. If you don't, it's hard to mess it up. Uh, another hard hitting question here from Don. Uh, corned beef or pastrami, 100% pastrami. Smoked meat, number one, that's a Canadian Montreal thing, but if I had to choose between those two, pastrami, uh, very nice when it's uh, grilled. Uh, another one from Don, who, by the way, these questions are open to subscribers. Don has left three questions. Who win in a fight, uh, LeBron James or JBL? LeBron James. Um, what is the biggest, this is from David, what is the biggest piece of MMA news that you knew ahead of time but couldn't disclose because you were told it was off the record? And how likely do you think it is that we'll see Nate Diaz before the year's up? Great question. I'll say the, there's been a ton. The first one that came to mind, I was, at, and this is funny considering all the 199 stuff that we talk about ad nauseum. Um, I knew about Connor scheduled to fight RDA at UFC 196 well before that was the champion versus champion fight. He had just been Jose Aldo. RDA was the lightweight champ well before it was announced. And uh, I was told to sit on it because uh, they were going to announce it during Fox football. I think it was like playoffs. It was in early January and they were going to announce it on the broadcast. So I had to sit on it. And I think Jeremy Botter actually got to it. And of course, you know, I was fine with that. I was annoyed that I had to sit on it. But again, further proof that if I'm told to sit on something, I sit on it. And I've done this a gazillion times, a gazillion. In fact, the story I broke today, I, w- you know, I was told about it off the record and then you know, it was on the record about some details and there's more to come. Um, so yeah, if it's off the record, it's off the record for life. How likely is it that we see Nathan Diaz before the year's up? I hope we see him by the end of the year. I don't get what's going on there. He wants to fight Luque. Luque wants to fight him. Their, 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 their respective management team wants to... Like, what's the problem? Why are we not making this fight? Can someone explain to me why this fight is not happening? It feels like the easiest fight to make. They both want to fight each other. It both sort of makes sense. Luke needs the big name. Nate wants to fight. Like, what is the problem here? Why isn't this fight happening? Why isn't it done already? Why isn't it booked? Why isn't there a little graphic out with their faces and a date? Signed, sealed, and delivered. Make it happen. Uh, this is from Farbode. Firstly, I just wanted to say how much of an inspiration you are. You are a breath of fresh air in the world of sports journalism. And watching your content has become one of my favorite things over the past few years. By the way, you can read all of these. They're all here verbatim, okay? I'm not making this up. Over the past few weeks, on some of your shows, you have been saying that the UFC is getting stale. Uh, I I don't know if I've actually said that. I say sometimes it feels like the same thing over and over because it's at the apex with the uniform. Anyway, what are the changes, simple or big, you would implement to breathe fresh air into the product? Number one, get rid of the uniform. Number one, uniform out. Less cards, less fights on cards. I got to say, I was at that Jake Paul fight, and this has nothing to, me, nothing to do with me being you know, part of the broadcast team. Six fights was very nice. Easy breezy. Now, of course, the fighters need fights and all that stuff. Less cards, the quality of the cards increases. I think having them almost every... I mean, I think there's like a stretch of nine, ten straight Saturdays coming up. It's a lot. And so too much of something is never a good thing. There's no off-season. Distance makes the heart grow fonder. Now, these are wholesale changes. They're never going to listen to me. Um, And they're adding so many fighters on Contender Series and all that stuff. I, I don't know if we'll ever go back to the old days where it wasn't... You'd call your friend up and you're like, hey, UFC's on. You want to come over? Like, I've experienced this. Oh, yeah, I'll be over. I'll, I'll come. I have nothing to do. Saturday night, of course. I, I love the UFC. I don't care. Now it's like, hey, you want to watch UFC? Back when we had people over at our house. 
uh, who's fighting? Mm, nah, I'll just wait for the next one. Next week, there's another one. Yeah, I'll just wait for that. And then one. So, you know, slippery slope. But number one, uniform, out. Uh, Ariel, should the BMF title be defended? I was never a fan of making the title. It was a cool idea. It was very Nathan Diaz, and then it got corporate. Like, no. It's a fictitious title in his mind. Now, all of a sudden, the UFC is like, you know, making this big cold to-do for it, and there's like a press thing, and we're holding it with... Like, no, it, it takes away what made it so cool, so real, so authentic. It's like, oh, Nate... Nathan literally beats Anthony Pettis, and he's like, all right, now I'm going to defend my title against Jorge Masvidal. What? What title? What are you talking about? And that's what made it so amazing. And then it just, I don't know. So, no, I don't really care. Also, who's the, I guess the BMF champ is uh, Usman now. L. Gilmore. Pull back the curtain on your SmackDown trip. Those great seats. Were you positioned there? I watched the show hoping to see some Hilwani, but that position is the exact point the camera guys stand, so I wondered if there was any involvement. Great question. Any cool off-camera or backstage interactions? Great question. Also, having now seen New Look Brock in person, any updates to your thoughts? I think he looks badass. You want to do it? Great stuff. So, um, great experience with my kids. I did notice I never sat that close. We sat one time behind the, uh, the announce team a couple of years ago. Um, but never that close. Full disclosure, those those tickets, I did not pay for those tickets. They were comped, and I was very appreciative. It was a great opportunity for my kids, and I wanted to give them that. At this point in my life, I don't really care to go to events as a fan. I actually prefer to watch them at home, but for them to to be excited about that was was really, really cool, and we were talking about it for all these weeks leading up to it, and so it was really cool for me to see them so happy. Um, I noticed like they come down the, the ramp like this. By the way, they've done a cool thing recently where the fans are a little closer to the ramp. So you can actually touch them as opposed to back in the day where there was this big ramp and the, the wrestlers were so far away from the fans. But I did notice as they're coming down, let's say we're on this side. If you're walking down, we're on the right side and then there's other fans on the left side and then the ring's in the middle. And the cameramen were always on the right side. So most of the, the wrestlers were going towards the left side and then up the ring. And so all I was jealous of all the guys on the left side because they were all getting high fives and my kids were missing out. There were some, though, that did give them high fives. Shout out to Drew McIntyre, uh, who came all the way around to give him a high five. The Mysterios were amazing. Ray and Dominic, uh, for you know, very lucky. They, they recognized me, and so they came over and they said they were big fans. That was incredible, and, and my kids felt very cool. McIntyre was very sweaty, and my kids thought that that was fun. And then Heyman recognized me because it was that one moment where Roman Reigns was standing there and Heyman was sitting, standing next to him as well. And they were standing there for like five minutes um, during the main event. And he recognized me and I have a you know great relationship with Paul Heyman. I love him. I consider him a great friend. He recognized. So then when they went back, he put the, the belt in my kid's face. And then when they came back for another match, he did the same. And that was super cool. Um, so yeah, that was amazing. Um, there was like a little reception beforehand. Stephanie McMahon was there. I did not say hello to her. I didn't want to bother her. There were a ton of people there. But yeah, the whole thing was very cool. I was uh, very happy to be there. It was a great experience. New look Brock. I mean, he is a badass. Look, Brock could do anything. Bearded Brock, great. Uh, you know, man bun Brock, great. Ponytail Brock, great. Not my style, but make no mistake about it. The guy looks like a badass um, with whatever look he's rocking. And I kind of like that it's different. I'm just kind of messing. I love Brock. I would I would love to have him in studio. He's the man. 
My neck is killing, just for the record. Uh, Adrian, to start off, I just want to say listening to your podcast is my favorite part of the day. I mean, unbelievable. And it just helps me escape. So thank you for doing what you do. Secondly, a friend just brought a fighter to my radar. Michael Venom Page. I'm curious to know if you've seen him before and what your thoughts are on him. Of course I know MVP. He's fighting against Douglas Lima coming up. Um, that's a big time fight. I think it's uh, October 1st or something, right? When is it? October 2nd? October 1st. October 1st. London, England. Douglas Lima. Michael Page. He's the man. 19-1. and Lone loss to Douglas Lima. Uh, so this is a great rematch. Yes. Very flashy. Very fun. Like it very much. Um, like him very much. Anthony Walsh. With one championship on the horizon in Cage Warriors. Uh, with one championship on the horizon in Cage Warriors do here uh, to do their first show. No, they, they had a U.S. show already. They did one in August. Anyway, uh, how do you see this affecting the UFC or will it affect them at all? Cheers, Ariel. Um, no, it's not going to affect them at all. And by the way, speaking of that, like the more the merrier, but speaking of that, so I reported this thing on, on my, um, you know, on my Substack and then on, on uh, my Instagram about this new group coming together. Actually, one of the guys uh, just reached out to me Okay, um, there seems to be a lot of interest, yes. They don't want it to be revealed just yet, but he did write to me. If you wanted to add another nugget, feel free to release. So this is what I reported. Uh, according to sources, a number of influential industry individuals have come together to create a new MMA league that is structured more like the NBA, NHL, and NFL league um, rather than your typical MMA promotion. This new league would also include an athlete association that implements a CBA with a 50-50 revenue share, guaranteed contracts, health insurance, career-ending insurance, and a pension plan. The plan is to announce the venture in the coming days. I'm told they're hoping to launch in 2023. This is what I wrote. New information. This not yet reported. Right now. The new league is structured as a nonprofit where independent franchise owners will roster a team of athletes signed from free agency or via the league entry draft. Each team will compete in home and away competitions in a traditional league format vying for a playoff spot. The owners and athletes are governed by the league bylaws and collective bargaining agreement, which is enforced by the commissioner and board of governors. So this is all very much like an NBA slash NHL NFL deal. What I said to them was, when I first heard about this, like we've seen people try to implement the, the, the major league model to fighting. It doesn't always happen successfully. It often doesn't happen successfully because fighting is completely different than the major leagues for a litany of reasons. We don't have to go through all of them. You know the differences. It's like completely different. I respect the fact that they're trying to do that. I respect the fact that they're trying to bring in a 50-50 revenue share, all that stuff. Um, you want the fighters to have the say, right? Like you don't want the league to be implementing these things because that kind of defeats the purpose of the association, if you will. But it's interesting, and I'm getting a ton of people reaching out to me for more information. I'm not behind any of this. I'm just the one reporting the stuff. And they're going to come out and make their announcement and do what they have to do. Um, but one thing I did want to say was, I saw a lot of people saying, like, Dana White is flipping out. Dana White is upset. You think he gives two craps about this? Like, with all due respect, Dana White has more money than he knows what to do with. He won. He won the war. He won the race. He is a success story. Whether anyone wants to admit it or not, he is a success story. He won. And so he has money. 
His grandkids' grandkids have money, right? Like he's he's done. He won. He could stop doing whatever it is he's doing right now with the UFC today and be an absolute winner. Hundreds of millions of dollars to his name, right? You think he cares about a, a new promotion popping up here? But like, you think he's sweating this? He, it's probably something that someone brought up, maybe looking at, but like, do you think they care about, they have such a head start on everyone. Like, let's not get it twisted here, guys. The, you know, this is very interesting. I'm not trying to poo-poo any of it. It's, it's, it's really interesting. I'm going to see how it all unfolds and I'm going to watch it closely and talk to all that. And a bunch of people are interested. And, and trust me, every fighter, like I said earlier, they don't want to talk about it publicly, but they all feel the same way, right? So they're all looking at it and they're all interested in it and they're all monitoring it. But the, you think Dana White is tripping over this? You really think he's sweating any of this? Come on, guys. He has a 30-year head start. Almost. On ESPN. Biggest, like, we have to be a little bit, you know, realistic here. It's great to be excited. It's great to be interested, optimistic. But I keep seeing people say, like, Dana White's flipping out. You think he cares? I saw um, he held court yesterday at the post-fight press conference for Contender Series. Uh, and it's great because, like, sometimes because he won the race, because he won the battle, because he's a multi-multi-millionaire, I have felt over the last few years, and I've said it. Remember one time I was sitting here with New York Rick, and I was talking about the promotion for the Bisping GSP fight, and I was like, that's how you sell a fight? Where's the fastball? Where's 2006 Dana? Where's 2007 Dana? Where's the fire? Where's all of that? And sometimes it's just not there. And it's understandable. I, I, I think Coker would tell you deep down, like once he got paid from, from the strike force sale, you don't have that same fire. It's, imp it's human nature. But when there's competition, and especially competition poking you, like we saw that fire from Mayweather McGregor at Showtime, all that. Jake Paul, I think, is bringing some of that fire a little bit out in him. And he was there talking about Jake, 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 did you hear that? When he's talking about Anderson Silva potentially fighting Jake Paul. And I found that to be so interesting. You're, you're, you're trying to, you know, almost like, you know, get Jake Paul to take the Anderson Silva fight. You're trying to, you know, peer pressure him into taking it. Like, oh, you, you wouldn't take, you'd fight Tyron Woodley, you won't fight Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva has boxing skills. Look how good he looks. Didn't we just say prior to the Woodley fight that he's fighting 50-year-olds when Woodley's not even 50? I think he's 39, 38. Didn't we just say that Jake Paul only fights old guys? Now we're pushing for him to fight Anderson Silva, who's 46? Now, again, I, I do think it will be a closer fight, but that just seemed weird to me. Why are you pushing? You just said Jake only fights old guys. Anderson's older than, than Woodley by seven years. But it's going to be interesting to see who uh, Jake picks. Put out the Masvidal thing. Don't think it happens. I don't think it's a impossibility. They have done the work with other people before. They've co-promoted. They've done stuff with you know, Showtime. I, I don't think it happens, but I don't think it's an impossibility. But you know, I think maybe he fights Tommy Fury end of the year and then... There's a big name that emerges next year. Uh, this would have been a good question. Um, Joshua asked about the Shevchenko sisters' relationship with their father. We never hear about him. Unfortunately, uh, she has come and gone. But next time. 
Uh, Dan, on f- a couple more here. On Fighter Pay, the Endeavor Group's recent IPO would leave you to believe that the UFC is less likely to do something about it now more than ever. Why would they? Why would they willingly change the model that is working so well for them and making them so much money? The way the UFC runs their business was part of what made the offering attractive to many investors. Yes, 60 to 70% of Endeavor's value comes from the UFC. Yes, and at least half of its cash flow. The pandemic's been great. They got the hotel there. They got the apex there. There's no travel. You don't have to pick up the circus tent and move it to another city. Uh, made money, saved money. Um, restructuring all the deals could be seen as bait and switch. They're not doing it. Despite quarter two quarterly revenue being up 70% year over year, holy smoke, 70% uh, for the UFC. It would be hard to sell to investors if the UFC dramatically changed anything. They're not. They're not. Again, the change never comes from the entity. The change comes from outside. Look, when the tennis players, when they went on strike, when Kurt Flood, like he challenged the system, that's where the change happens. No one's going to actively change it to make it better for you and less good for them. Hypothetically, are you buying, holding, or selling UFC Endeavor right now? I'm buying. I'm buying and holding. I'm not selling. Flipping through these comments, I see a lot of Aussies on your Substack, so no question, just a request. Can we get a good day, mate? Also, <clears throat> also, we don't mess with shrimp. We have prawns. <laughs> uh, I think I got that one. I don't mess with shrimp either. I mean, shrimp could come after me, but, you know, there's usually nothing that comes back in return. Um, g'day, mate. I love the Aussies. I went to Australia for UFC 127, 193. Incredible time. Great people. Uh, Ariel, will you ever grow a bushy beard or thick stash? Probably not. Uh, the beard, I've had it pretty bushy, but the stash, not a fan. My dad used to have a stash. It's just not for me. Um, P.S. I hope I can be roasted by Hiwani someday in the future. I mean, isn't that the ultimate compliment? Isn't that the ultimate compliment? Matt, uh, and, and you, and you can, you, you, you know, all you have to do is, uh, insult me for five years and continue to spread lies about me. And then eventually, uh, you'll get he'll wanted. Um, Matt, in regards to fighter pay and determining salary or share or, um, any difficulty forming a union, if all 700 plus UFC fighters are able to cast votes via an online tool to vote colleague fighters into a tier list of pay bracket, would that work? No, they're not going to do that. If the fighter's name, reputation, skill, stars, unknown by colleagues, they wind up in a lower bracket. Example, Patty Pimblett might end up in a higher pay tier. If rankings mean that, no, this is not going to happen. I mean, I appreciate it, but it's not going to happen. Uh, in your opinion, why didn't the UFC go after Gable Steveson as hard as WWE and other promotions? I think he wanted to be there. I think they knew that. He had guys like Heyman pushing for him, Brock pushing for him. Just seemed like a good fit. I think they kind of saw the writing on the wall and didn't want to be the bridesmaid. Um, Ariel, does UFC have a contingency plan for the UFC at MSG in case there's an issue with unvaccinated fighters? As I said, they don't have to be vaccinated. Exemption is for the fighters, not the crowd. Uh, Dear Mr. Hilwani, first, I just want to say happy belated birthday to your daughter, Claire. Uh, Her birthday is next month, but thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, As we had seen on social media recently, keen to get your thought on transgenders competing in MMA. Is it fair? This this came up... uh, like 10 years ago with Found Fox, I personally think they need to be in their own division altogether. And what's your favorite self-development book you'd recommend viewers reading? Um, I don't have a favorite self-development book. Um, I'm not big into those books. I like reading a lot, but not really those self-help books. 
I do like talking. I do like listening to people talk about that. But reading, I can't really recommend a great one. Yeah, the, the transgender um, issue is is a big one again. But like I said, we went through this with Fallon Fox 10 years ago or so. And it was very polarizing then. And it's going to be polarizing now until the end of time. I honestly don't know where I, I stand on all of it. A very tough one. And uh, I'd like to weigh in on it when I haven't been talking for the last three hours. You may call that a cop-out. I just don't want to offend anyone. And, and I really don't, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't feel very strongly about one way or the other. And I feel like we've gone through all this again. And now it's another thing. And I'll get back to you on that one. Um, another question about MVP. Uh, do you see MVP ever coming to the UFC? Sure, why not? Okay, just a couple more. Um, I want no part of <laughs> Hiawani's fury. Uh, I do want to say I admire you addressing whatever is going on and then moving on in the manner that you do. You handled it directly and honestly and then moved on, so to speak, so good form. Thank you. Is it just me or Valentina and Amanda Nunes, to be honest, still both very underpromoted as the GOATs? Both are already in the UFC and the sport. I just don't feel like they get the constant plugs they deserve. No, I think it's happening over time. I think it's happening over time. I think they get love. They certainly get love here. Amanda doesn't like to do interviews, but Valentina, she always comes on and she's great. I'd love to have Amanda on. Uh, James, just want to say, loving Hiwani. Keep up the great work. My question is something I've wanted to know for multiple years. I know it may cause drama bringing it up. I've listened to you for 10 years. Love to know. What really happened between you and Matt Sarah? Um... Yeah, the Matt Sarah thing is weird. I had a great relationship with Matt Sarah. And one time actually here for Vox, there was like this upfront ad thing um, where they wanted me to do like a mini MMA hour in front of advertising people. And uh, I had a really good relationship with Matt. And he, uh, I asked him if he could come into the city. I'm pretty sure we got him a car and everything. And we did like a little bit, a skit, whatever you want to call it. And uh, that was all well and good. And he went home. And I guess he viewed that as like some massive favor, and it was, sure. And that was that. But he's brought that up a lot over the years. And why do I bring that up? Because shortly thereafter, I think it was, the 199 thing happened, and he made some jokes about it, about me getting, you know, axed and all that stuff. And I texted him being like, man, you know, kind of felt like you were kicking me while I was down. And he was like, oh, I have nothing to do with this. And oh, by the way, I did that favor for you. And I just feel like over the years, you know, for whatever, it's fine. But, you know, he has this great relationship, business relationship with Dana, and he felt like it was important to side with him when in reality, you don't have to side with anyone. Look at all the fighters who come on and that dude right there. I mean, who has a better relationship with Dana than that guy? Like, there's a lot of people that I don't think you need to pick a side. And so that was that. And he does this show called UFC Filtered and they try to sweat me all the time and talk about me. I mean, there's a bunch of them. Those dudes... Uh, Thompson and McCarthy, like they all, they all love to talk about me for whatever reason. I never talk about them. We know the other one, Fighter and the Kid, and uh, they love to talk about, you know, what I'm doing, my style of journalism, my comings and goings, my career. They love to weigh in on it. Always wrong, always totally off, um, always taking pot shots, and I never talk about them. I guess you have to punch up. I guess you want to punch the guy who's at the top. I get that. You want to get some views. Then you'll clip it off. You'll put my name in the headline. You'll put my picture. You'll put it on your YouTube. I get it. I get it. I love that they call themselves UFC Unfiltered when it's the most filtered podcast of all time. I mean, it's run by the UFC. They'll have like UFC-approved journalists on there, fighter. Like no one can say anything. They'll take things out if someone's critical. 
Um, but I have no problem. Like he calls me a weasel. Like for what? I've never done wrong by him. Uh, I think I've only showed him love. And that's that. I have no issues with him. Now I could, you know, I could, I could say stuff here that I could put. It's not my style. But I love the, all these podcasts. They love to weigh in. Like after the thing with Sean, love to, everyone's weighing in. I see uh, Thompson McCarthy, they love to weigh in. UFC Filter, love to weigh in. Everyone loves to weigh in on my stuff. And I could not care less. Like water off a duck's back. Talk all you want. Just don't lie. That's it. Just don't lie. Just don't lie. You could have your take. You can have your opinion. Just don't lie. That's all I ask. You can keep talking about me. It's fine. So interested, so interested in my career. And I love when they say, oh, he wouldn't say this, that. He wouldn't say this. He wouldn't have the balls. He wouldn't be man enough to say, what are you talking about? I show my face everywhere. What, like, we're ta- like, are we talking about this is the Wild West where people are just going to start beating each other up in plain sight? Very bizarre. But no, no beef here with Sarah. They love talking about me. They love taking paw shots, talking about my journalism. I say, big kiss. Small hug, small hug, big kiss, small kiss, big hug. That's a joke, I think, from Nacho Libre. Uh, Ariel, two questions. What do you see next for Derek Lewis? Good question. Um, I don't know. Take some time off. Maybe I'll have him on the show. Do you collect or have any cool pieces of sports memorabilia? Yeah, I've got a few. I got a Gary Carter signed picture. Uh, I like that a lot. Some jerseys. Okay, here we go. We're going to run through these. Uh, your personal GOAT list. I've been asked this before. GSP number one. John Jones returned to MMA, gradually becoming less likely. Send the increasing popularity and profitability uh, of this new brand. Do you think we see John jump to boxing? No, he has a contract. If Islam and Hamzad both win on October 30th and UFC books them against each other at 155, who would win? Hamzad's not fighting at 155. Are you insane? Uh, he fights at 170 or 185. Do you think the UFC will allow Jorge Masvidal to leave his contract to fight Jake Paul? Mm, probably not. I, they want him to fight Leon Edwards beginning of the year, so that probably happens. But I don't think it's crazy. I don't think it's like 10 years ago when Anderson wanted to fight Roy Jones. I think that that was obviously never going to happen. But now they've shown, you know, they're open to it. Uh, Brian, Jake Paul's current manager, Nikisa Bedarian, has an interesting history. Yes. Former CFO of the UFC. Correct. Obviously, smart move by Jake to hitch his trailer to Nikisa. I agree. He seems able to offer more in this space than others. He's a, I'm a big fan. Uh, very, very sharp, very smart. Thinks outside the box. Obviously has uh, the um, knowledge of working for the UFC. Was a part of the sale. Was a part of a lot of big things. Uh, I have told him to his face. The one thing I didn't like was the, the uniform. Um, but I think it's a really smart move. And you see when Jake is talking about finances and pay a lot of it um obviously has to do with his dealings with Nikisa. i'm sure he's soaking up a lot of knowledge and information from him so yeah they're a really great pairing uh ariel loved your appearance on the bill simmons podcast who's your favorite 90s knicks player patrick ewing patrick ewing um what are some of the most iconic fight kits oh Iceman shorts uh tito fire bj penn gi um gsp walking out in the gi uh, Tyson by the, the account. What else? Sakuraba, Dennis Hallman, a few that come to mind. Gustafson had cool ones. Jones had cool ones. Anderson had cool ones. 
Uh, yes or no, within the next 25 years, there'll be some sort of MMA fighters union. 25 years? Sure, I'll say yes. Um, hey, Ariel, loving the freedom you have these days. Another question about MVP. Wow, you guys like MVP. Will MVP finally accept that he's not one of the elite fighters if he doesn't beat Douglas Lima? No, Douglas Lima's great. Uh, I don't think that that's an indictment on him. Last one, if the world gets back to normal and the UFC comes back to Australia, would you like to be there? Yes, I would like to be there. I love Australia. What a great, great country. Uh, getting something really quickly here from my man, Casey. Let me just double check it. Uh, yes, according to Mike Bond, Joseph Benavidez has retired from mixed martial arts. Uh, this is from Mike Bond. Uh, one of the all-time greats, unfortunately, never got that UFC title, but no indictment on his career. That is not a referendum on his career whatsoever. Some of the best fighters of all time didn't taste UFC gold, and uh, I think that um, that is nothing to uh, to be ashamed of. Sometimes you know, it's like my guy Patrick Ewing fought in the or fought competed in the era of Michael Jordan. He was the big roadblock. DJ was the big roadblock, but uh, one of the all-time best in the sport. Uh, a great guy. Uh, and uh, I wish him a great career. That just happened right now. So uh, a great, you know, post-fighting career, of course, because uh, I know he has a lot of interests, fashion, photography, uh, media, all that type of stuff. So um, all these fighters that we were covering in the uh, the early days, now getting a little bit older, it's it's a wild thing to see. But um, all the best to uh, Joseph Benavidez, and uh, thank you for the great fights, the great entertainment, the great memories, and congratulations on a fantastic career. Frankie, do people call you Frankie? Am I allowed to do that? No one calls you Frankie, huh? Uh, Mysterious Frank uh, knew nothing, didn't know who Conor McGregor was three weeks ago. And uh, now he's like the hardest of hardcores on the Reddit page. I mean, he pretty much runs MMA Reddit at this point. So hardcore, so into it. Uh, we got Connor on the team. I keep trying to get him on camera. They keep telling me I can't have him on camera for whatever reason. I think Alex trying to hold him back. Uh, we've got Joe on the team. We've got you. I mean, it's just an unbelievable squad back there, an all-star, a who's who. Um, but alas, I have said enough. It is time to go. So you can hit my music. Frank, thank you. Uh, I got to go, you know, I got to go atone for my sins. There's a lot of atoning to do. I shall take my glasses off, my friends. I mean, what a, what a life. You get to sit here. You get to talk to the greatest fighters in the world, the greatest human beings in the world, interesting folk, if you will. You get to ask them questions on your show, in your set. I mean, I have these moments after every show, and I'm like, wow, how lucky am I? How did I get so lucky? And then I'll get all these other jabron podcasts out there being like, well, let me tell you how it really is about Ariel. Come on. Come on. Everyone live a happy life. Be appreciative, be grateful, have gratitude. There's enough for all of us. We can all eat in this landscape. And I do believe that a rising tide lifts all boats. Who said it on the show? Someone said it today about, oh, Yoel. Yoel said it perfectly about like animosity and hatred, being unhealthy, ruining your soul. Said it perfectly. Good on you, Yoel Romero. And so thank you very much to Yoel. 
Uh, good luck to him this Saturday against one Phil Davis. Thank you very much to Chatri Sitjotong. I enjoyed that conversation. Thank you very much to Valentina Shevchenko. Thank you very much to Juliana Pena. Thank you very much to Michael Chandler. And as always, thanks to all of you. I love you and appreciate you. Back next week, same time and place. Until then, I say peace. I'm out of here. Uh, I do want to let you know that today's program is brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. UFC 300 is here. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is giving new customers a shot to turn five buccarinos into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any UFC 300 bet. So uh, there's a lot of close fights. Jamal Hill, Alex Pereira is a close one. Um, one that is of interest to me, Kayla Harrison, Holly Holm going the distance. Um, obviously, Zhang Wei Li is a big favorite. The biggest favorite on the card is actually Bo Nickel against Cody Brundage. That may not be a surprise to you. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things on this card. And the place to be for it all is DraftKings Sportsbook. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code THEMMAHOUR. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code DMAR. The crown is yours. Gambling prong call 100Gambler or in West Virginia, visit www.100gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resorts in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. cdkng.com slash mma.com, yes. Uh, for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.